is the podcast to the show. You can listen to or know. Welcome to our Ted Lasso talk, the Tedcast. Welcome, all Greyhound fans. Welcome, all you sinners from the dog track and all the AFC Richmond fans around the world. It's the Lasso way around these parts with Coach Coach and Boss. Without further ado, Coach Castleton. Okay, welcome back, everyone. This is the Tedcast. We are doing Season 3, Episode 7 of Ted Lasso, The Strings That Bind Us. This is Part 3. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. We are so excited to have you. Uh, we've been doing this for a little while, and we've made friends all over the world. If you are uh, someone who likes to hear the whole episode, I suggest going back to Part 1. But if you want to jump on board with us, we're always happy to have you at any time. I am Coach Castleton, and with me, as always, is Coach Bishop. I grab some red string, just in case. I love that. I love it. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't know how you and and Boss would make that work, but um, mm. in the words of the great Danny Rojas, we could try. <laughs> uh, and, exactly. And with us is our boss Emily Chambers. And this is the wine fest version of Emily Chambers because I did go to. The Oswego, Illinois Wine Fest, the second most prestigious wine fest in all of Illinois on Saturday. And since I'm 40, I'm still hurting from it. So I'm going to do my best. We're going to we're going to try. That's a real thing, the, uh, isn't it? It's so sad. Yeah, I feel like I take yeah. I have a drink and I can wipe out like half a week. Yeah, yeah. it's unbelievable. It, I got a crick in my neck. I tried to work out this morning. My body said no. And then I just laid down. <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. We are, uh, we're going to start in, we pick up from um, the last thing we saw was when Keely and Rebecca were at the restaurant that Jack surprisingly picked up the bill, on, or maybe not so surprisingly, picked up the tab for and Rebecca ordered uh, three bottles of uh, ridiculously expensive wine or something, right? The same uh, stuff I was drinking this weekend, probably. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So a lot of cricks in the neck over there for Rebecca. And uh, now we cut to Nathan's house, Nathan's family's house. And this is a place we have not – have we been here with the whole – we've never been here with the whole family before I know. We have been in his house before with his parents. Yes. But this feels like a more – I just didn't recognize the chair, so it was funny. I was looking at the the gold flake on the chair, you know, the the shiny chair. I was like, are they in the good dining room? And we've just never been in there before. I was, you know, like, yeah. I know my mom is an immigrant, and so there's all these jokes about immigrants, and uh, I don't know how other uh, cultures are, but Greek culture, you have to be prepared anytime somebody comes by. You have to have like desserts to serve them, and you and you have to have like a really nice sitting room, like like museum level sitting room. So we grew up with like plastic on the furniture, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. things, places you couldn't sit in your house. Right. Where they were saved for the very unlikely surprise visit. I'm like, what is? And I would just talk to my parents, like, what? I don't understand. My dad would. He was not Greek, so he was just looking at my mom. I don't know. Like, oh, talk to her. Uh, like, like, like Ted saying to to uh, uh, to Roy. I don't know. Like, ask Beard. He's the one that invited him. It was that? It's that kind of vibe. Um, and yeah, so. Uh, I was wondering if this was the fancy formal dining room uh, of Nate's family. Yeah, I sort of remember that the scene with his parents was at the kitchen table. So it does seem like this is more the formal dining room. 
Yeah, thanks, boss. I thought it was. I remember Nate's dad reading the paper at the head of like the. They were in the kitchen. Yeah. I remember mom sort of, uh, you know, abstract busyness at the counter or that sort of thing while Nate's dad scowled at him. <laughs> <laughs> also, it could be their fancy setup, and I bring I bring this up only because, or not, but because I think it could be relevant in terms of. They're not wealthy people, right? So they may have a fancy setup that's like actually underneath that tablecloth, there are two tables or something like that. And I think it matters in the context of the kind of family gathering we're looking at. Um, not as a matter of, you know, the set, which who cares? But yeah, I think that you bring, right. you bring out the good china. Exactly saying, right? right. They yeah, might yeah, not yeah. have a separate room, but they may have a separate way, a different way of doing it. So we're at Nate's parents' house, mom, dad, uh, Nate. Nicole, who is um, uh, Nate's sister, and Nicole's husband, Ali, and their daughter, Sophia. And Nicole opens a box. It's got a – it's a Nate-made box, and it's got a cake and candles design. And, Boss, walk us through this, please. So Nicole says, oh, wow, I love it. And Sophia said, well, it was my vision, but Uncle Nate made it happen, which – I believe when uh, John filled in for a, an absent or a coach Bishop, uh, he did point out one of the few nice things that Nate actually does is spend time with his niece and do these arts and projects type things. So it's at least showing Nate isn't 100% the worst in every way. Um. <laughs> yeah, right. And also Sophia is a good kid because most kids don't throw praise at an adult. I noticed. Yes. You know what I mean? Most kids yes. like are thrilled to get any praise. So Sophia is a real sweetheart. And it made me think like, oh, she's got good parents. Because, yes. right? Because I was like, oh, yeah, no kids do that. They're just like sit there and beam like, yeah, it was all me. Yes, like, I did that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Uncle Nate made it happen. Nate says she was uh, actually quite specific. So and then the next thing uh, Nicole says, thank you, Cheeky, to her daughter. And then thanks, Nate. So I like that Cheeky is the nickname that apparently you give to your kids in this family because Nate's mom called him Cheeky. So Nicole is calling her daughter Cheeky. I like that. You're right. Yeah, yeah, nice. Yeah. Uh, And then uh, Nate's dad says, let's have a look. Oh, it's lovely. So then Nicole changes gears and says, so come on. You're the hottest coach in the Premier League, which makes me the coolest lawyer in the firm. Please tell me you're hooking up with girls left and right. And then at that point is when Nate's dad decides, well, we're going to exit this conversation. Yeah. He says, okay, I I don't think this kind of talk is appropriate for a young lady. Uh, Nicole doesn't give a rat's ass. It's always in any family. You have the the child that is wildly affected by the parents. And Mm -hmm. there's the other child who doesn't give a rat's ass about what the parents want and uh it's so great to see that that dynamic here i think that's very appropriate listen it's not every family but this is a common dynamic where one child is affected more by the uh you know emotions of the parents in my family uh my kids decided to flip things up and both care but both care what daphne thinks Which is the way to play it. I mean, it wasn't, I didn't see it's it coming. I didn't see it coming, but yeah, that's how that plays out. So there you go. So the dad says, who wants ice cream? Nate's dad says that. And Sophia's little, little uh, granddaughter says, I do. And the father says, great, let's go to the corner shop. Ali, come with us. 
since you're my favorite son that I never had, let them have their girl talk. I was stunned by that moment because mom giggles. And I just like, you always want to be mindful. Like I'm, I'm always very mindful. Like, uh, my relationship to the NFL is very complicated, but I certainly am aware of like what's going on in the league. And whenever someone wants to insult the Dallas Cowboys, I feel like invariably within three comments or in the original post, someone calls them the cowgirls. And that's the whole insult. Oh God. It's like, that's the whole insult. And, and, and so I just thought, I get it. <laughs> you see what I mean? It's like, really? Cowgirls ain't, ain't, ain't as good as cowboys. I, right. And you just kind of go, really? F- In 2023, yeah. we're adults. This is happening. And so part of me thought it was one thing for dad to say it. It was another thing for mom to giggle. And then it felt like, so he's been saying shit like this to him his whole life. Because nobody reacted like, whoa, like that was a crazy <laughs> thing to say. I don't know. It, it Yeah. It really landed on me. Like I found myself thinking about it outside of thinking about the rest of the episode. Also, it seems kind of odd immediately after saying this isn't an appropriate conversation for a young lady. He then says, let's leave them to their girl talk. The girl talk (laughs) wasn't the girl talk was not. Oh, so who are you dating or who are you seeing? Who are you in a relationship with? It was who are you hooking up with? Like it's. Sexist in a way that's almost profound in its complexity because mm. none of it makes any sense. It's girl talk to talk about sex, which mm-hmm. isn't appropriate for a girl. Mm-hmm. Okay. I need to remove the girl. Yeah, that's great. Good call, boss. Yeah. And none of and, and yeah. truly none of it makes sense. So you, that, that that's profound as well. That like this is all crazy. Yeah. 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 And I like how Ali is in a pickle. Like, we never really even get to see Ali, but he's like, oh, I kind of wanted to mash shit. Okay. Like, I'll do it. All right. I'll go with the, the, the grumpiest person uh, in the UK to go have him lecture me about ice cream because you know that's going to happen. Actually, the rum raisin is superior. Oh, fine. Right, right. I was thinking rum raisin. That's so funny. So uh, the dad and Ali and Sophia – they dip, and Ali on the way out gives Nicole a kiss on the head, and she touches, uh, and he touches his hand on her shoulder, and um, that's it. He, uh, the dad ushers them out and says, "See you in a bit." Nicole says, "Okay, tell me everything," which is good. It, I, listen, I was like, um, I, I think like, okay. First of all, I don't give a shit about this scene. <laughs> Sorry, it's a Fair. terrible it's a terrible thing, but I gotta be honest, I don't care. I don't care about this. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a little analysis because that's what we do, but I found myself going mm, maybe too little too late, like for maybe maybe we needed this in the end of season one, or we needed like I, I don't know these people, so it's hard to get invested in them when the when the finish line is coming, and I'm like, okay, like yeah. And then I thought, you know what? I like the relationship. I like Nicole a lot, the sister. Um, and Agreed. I thought, you know what? She's a doctor. Lawyer. Right? Or was she a lawyer? She's a lawyer. Sorry. Yeah. She's did. a lawyer. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, so she's she's has some education and she has some, you know, she's she's probably uh, um, of a certain um, 
you know, I would say social status or something along those lines where she is a, you know, someone who has a work a day job. And I would think that, um, it, it would be pretty clear, uh, that she was probably the favorite child because up until about eight minutes ago, the other child was kicking shit across a field and didn't know what he wanted to do. And I doubt very much that he was like, Oh, I'm going to be a premier league coach. I think he was probably like, I will just, do laundry for teams. I mean, like if you're looking at these, these, this family, the dynamic is interesting. And yet I really enjoyed Nicole and I thought she treated Nate really well and that she seemed to be really behind him. And, and I thought, okay, the mom is a, uh, she's unsupportive in the face of abuse. So that part's tough, but I got the sense that Nicole is the type of person who would tell dad to shut up and knock it off. Or at least like sort of have Nate's back quietly, you know, like one or the other, you know, she yeah. didn't seem as she said right in front of her dad, like, right, tell me who you're hooking up with. That seemed a little racy to me. Yeah. And, and Nate, so I was like, Nate okay. gave her a look. So we knew it, it, it was at least approaching a line. Yeah, I agree with you, coach. So anyway, I don't know. I thought I guess what my takeaway was like, oh, if you have a sister this good. Why are you such a shit heel? Like what like why not not to say like we are not our brother's keepers, uh to to paraphrase the Bible here, but um sometimes when I see toxic masculinity and when I see uh general assaholishness, it is because uh of a Jamie Tart situation where there is the absence of a voice of reason. You know, so the pre- predominant voice that Jamie heard was his father and then bug and whatever the other screwball, you know what I mean? You have all these terrible influences and yes, luckily his mom sounds nice, but um, the fact that Nate had Nicole there makes me dislike Nate more. <laughs> if that makes any sense. Cause I'm like, what, mm-hmm. what are you doing? You know, his uh, tone, his tone at the table with her was very different. He was very calm and relaxed and right. Like introspective and, he was un, he was vulnerable and unguarded, and I'm like, you have this gear. He has this gear, but there is something about an expectation that the women close to you will take care of you in specific ways. Mm. I don't know. I'm I, I'm guessing that she might actually be younger. I don't think that she gives off the older sister vibe. That would be slightly more protective, and I think. Whereas I'm seeing her as running interference between her brother and her dad, not necessarily standing up to him and i, I could, think I that, see that yeah it, 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 for me it then feels like nate sort of expects that the women he knows should be treating him like this all the time and the fact that they're not is because they have failed to see that he should be treated like this like his mom isn't so his sister is kind of nice and he's like oh well this is how it should be excellent point yeah, i love that actually this is this is such a great point because this this ties into your overall uh, feeling about Nate and who he is and that he's always been this way. And th- th- actually that's a really, um, it's a great point when you think about families that come from cultures who are historically even more, um, patriarchal and what the, there's a lot of reduction in the role of the women in that, in that family, but it always comes down to emotional support. So you have, mm-hmm. Uh, you know, uh, um, Juliana's got this big Italian family. They're the best people. Um, but there's the divisions of labor are always gender based. You know, if they need a deck belt, here come the uncles. And, but if it's any holiday, 
the, the, the uncles sit there like kings with all the aunts cooking and doting on them and whatever. And so it's just, it's very, listen, it works for that family. It's the best family on the planet. My God, they're such nice people. Um, but oh my God, I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen less strings attached in a family. It was like stunning, uh, the best people. Um, but if you grow up in that environment, maybe you do go into the world with an expectation. Hey, you know, my mom always supported me. My sister was always there to protect me. You know, why aren't other women? I, I deserve this inherently, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that part of what, I don't want to get too far into the weeds on this right now, but it sounds like maybe Jamie's mom isn't around anymore. I'm sort of imagining she has passed away because he doesn't see her and she doesn't come to his games and it feels like she would. Um, Yeah. I think that there is a big expectation with men that their moms are always going to love them. And if their dads don't, that somehow... It, not somehow, that is extremely destructive to them, even if they have their moms. Like, it's just the mere fact, it, because women are supposed to be, and supposed to be is in very serious scare quotes, supposed to be nurturing and loving and taking care of people, the fact that they do is their, quote, natural state. And if you don't get your dad to love you, then somehow you failed at being a man. We're going to actually explore this in a later episode. I, I really want to talk about this. What is the love between a father and his child? What is the love between a mother and her child? And how does that affect the kids? But um, that episode will be brought to you by Kleenex. Because I. (laughs) 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 We'll we'll talk sponsors later, folks, but there's going to be a lot of crying Um, by me. Let me just be clear about that. Okay, so. Um, Nicole says, tell me everything. Nate says, there's a girl that I like. She's a hostess in the Taste of Athens. Mom and sister both go, ooh. And, um, you know, they give they give each other sort of a not bad kind of face. Nate says, she used to hate me, but now she, well, I don't know. I've misread signals from women before. I can't, kind of can't believe that. He seems like so spot on um, with women. Seems just great with women. I mean, it, great. It, it felt, I mean, Yes. I mean, in totality. Also, it felt like uh, just in case you're not a lunatic like Coach Coach and Boss and don't have most of the series uh, memorized. Oh, yeah. Remember that time he planted one on Keeley? That was a really bad idea. So it felt like it was supposed to kind of remind us of like the context for him of pursuing a woman. Yep, absolutely. Keeley was also being nice to him and he misread that. I mean, did he? She looked like she was throwing a lot of like attraction vibe at him. You know how Keely is. <laughs> uh, I can't believe we're going back to that. I, I like actually. I just kind of right, boss. Like even thinking about it, I'm like, mm, kind of just don't yeah. want to be there mentally. Yeah, definitely not. I, I'm yeah. tossing. I think this is also, and 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 we'll get more of it. But quickly, I think that was a crossroads moment for Nate. I think we're being positioned as if we've either returned to the crossroads or come to another crossroads. I will say of all the elements like this in the show, this is the one I've bought the least, but I think that's part of what's being set up here is like, what happens if we take the other road uh, in that Robert Frost uh, quote from Ted? Yeah. Um, So, yes. I mean, how do you tell if a girl likes you? This is what Nate says. Or is just trying to be nice to you, boss. What do they both say? You can't. You can't, which is the bookend for the yes, Wonderkid. 
Wonderkind. Ugh. But uh, there is one surefire way to find out. Nicole says, ask her out. No, I can't. I can't. I can't do that. No. Come on. What's the worst that could happen? Well, that she laughs at my face and says no. And then I scurry away humiliated, never to be allowed in my favorite restaurant again. So the next time we have some kind of family celebration, I'll just have to, you know, sit on the pavement outside, eating takeaway fish and chips, watching you through the window like some Dickensian street urchin. Wow. What does this remind you guys of? At least he didn't stammer this time. <laughs> yes yep absolutely uh make rebecca great again his speech about uh giving too many ideas or putting forth too many ideas and then getting fired right uh yeah. and this makes uh this may be a moment of clarity for his sister and his mom because they recognize something here maybe he hasn't shown them this side uh and the lasso way has opened him up in a way he didn't uh think he was going to expose uh, my sense is that he has uh, been a little bit guarded uh, about this type of thought process with his family. Nicole says, oh, my God, he's just like Dad. You have to show him the map. Uh, mother says, no, your father would kill me. Show him the map. Nate says, what map? Now, uh, in season one, we had mentioned uh, – this is a really deep dive, a uh, really, really deep pull. D- Nate mentions that his dad used to be a cartographer. Mm-hmm. So this is a little payoff for that. Uh, stunning that they have that in season one it just never happens that way i'm telling you it's amazing your father and i went to school together for years she says uh as she rolls out a map on the table but i didn't think he even knew i existed until he gave me this now the map shows uh connective lines between india and the uk and uh coach what does this say here on the map can you read out what the what Lloyd, the father, had uh, written to the bomb on the map? Yes. Distance between the places that we were born, 4,125 miles. Distance between the places that we were raised, 4,230 miles. Distance between our dorms on campus, 1.3 miles. Distance between us on Friday night uh, at, I think it was 8 p.m., hopefully one foot. Uh, would you like to go on a date? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's a, that's a lot. That's that a heavy a, lift. That's yeah, almost that's, as yeah. crazy as making a box for someone. <laughs> right. Yeah, I'm getting a look. I'm getting a look from boss here. It's it's too much. It's too much. It's if you've known somebody for an extremely long time, and you're like, listen, I know that we've been friends for four years. What if we tried to change this into something else? Maybe you could do this. Maybe, but. If you've never spoken to her before, don't make a map like this. That's that's too much. That's weird. Yeah. No, it's fascinating that side of it. I know you feel that way, boss. And I don't I don't know. I've never made a map or a box for an, that I can remember. I don't think I've I, I am prone to romantic gestures, but not with arts and crafts necessarily. <laughs> well, it also feels like you're setting up so much pressure before the first date. Like there is so much of we met, we have this cute story, we fell in love and we've been together and happy ever since. And sometimes it's like, well, we literally just met. I think maybe I like you. What if we got coffee and see if this works out? And there's a very loud truck going past me right now. Apologies for that. And this is like, what if you go on a date and she's horrible? What if Jade is a terrible person? And then you made her this map and there's so much pressure on it. Like, just chill out. 
Right. Yeah. And and I and I got the sense that the father was aware. She said we were we knew each other for years, and he, I, you know, I didn't even know he existed. He must have been studying her for a long time. So I felt like it was That's more not warranted. creepy. More well, you know, listen. It's <laughs> again, we don't teach. We do not teach men anything other than mm. rub some dirt on it. Don't be yeah. a girl. Take off your skirt, Nancy. We teach them all the wrong things at all the wrong times. And so when you're talking about emotional vulnerability, it is not in the lexicon. It is not something typically, historically, that is transferred from father to son in a knowledge-based scenario. You don't have that. Hey, son, it's important to do this and, you know, uh, it's, it's okay to be, to be wounded. It's okay to cry. It's okay to that, – that, those things are not typically handed down. Coach? I would go a step beyond that because I think the way you just said it almost seems neutral. I think the idea of it's important to be vulnerable is – like that's – it's discouraged. Like, I, I feel like as a rather emotional guy throughout my life, I've felt mo- very embarrassed at a number of points because I was the kind of guy who would cry about something. And I and I did feel that it dinged me in some settings as like, you know, not as serious a man because I was that kind of guy. There's no, there's no question. And we always do it wrong. And we, listen, we'll go into this at a later date, but we socialize boys very, very early and we all rub some dirt on it and wipe those tears away. Be tough. That's no big deal. Like toughen up. Like we do that when they're two, three, four, right out, you know, right out of the gate. We don't do that the same way to girls and girls suffer even more. Girls get socialized when they start growing breasts, when they get their period, they, they, that's why you have, and I've said this before. I know I'm like, now I'm getting deja vu of saying exactly this in season one hmm. at some point, but that's why you have the most tremendous 10, 11, 12 mysterious, powerful girls. And then society comes in and says, stop, don't sit with your legs yep. open. Yep. Don't, stop. Mm. No, no, no. Don't do it. Like that. That's when a ponytail on a girl's head has a different meaning, even though it has the same meaning to her. She pulls her hair up and, and, puts it out of her fucking face so she can see whatever she's trying to do. But for the men watching, oh, now it has a, you know, a, so, some salacious appeal or something, whatever. And you just go, what the fuck? Anyway, we, we do it all wrong. And I'm not saying everything society does is wrong, but in this way, how we go about socializing, and if you're mindful about it, uh, you can see some. there's flaws in the ointment. So at this moment, uh, mom and Nicole try to help Nate. Stop waiting, Nathan. Yes, you could fail and be embarrassed for a second, but you could also get married, have two wonderful children, and live happily ever after. So what I liked about that was she said you could be embarrassed for a second as in contrast to the what he said, which is, uh, I, and that I scurry away humiliated, never to be allowed in my favorite restaurant ever again. He, nobody's preventing him from going into the restaurant. He would not be able to face his humiliation of it, so he couldn't go back in. But that's not never being allowed. That's something that he's putting on himself. And she's saying you would be embarrassed for a second and then it would be fine. And and I would extend your point and say the whole thing is that. Like, the, like he says it as if it is truly the only and inevitable 
conclusion of the story that he's sitting on the curb. Like, even if you thought, like, if you're not allowed to go to Taste of Athens, think of the assumptions you just made. You just made the assumption that your family with you, let's say you're not allowed. They would have a family function and be like, guess who's shit out of luck, Nate? Yeah. So your whole family would pick Taste of Athens over you. And then you would choose the curb outside of the place you're banned from, as opposed to just going to another fucking restaurant. Yes. Right. So there's a lot built into his reaction that like, I think, you know, like truly gives us a glimpse into like Nate's every moment reality. Listen, two things. First of all, anxiety snowballs and that's how it goes. So none of this is based in reality. It's just how the anxiety picks up and, you know, makes it, he's not doing the math as far as like, Oh, my family will ditch me. He's, he's not, he's just doing that thing where the anxiety gets away from you. But second of all, what compounds all of this is just think about what Nicole says here. Yes, you could fail and be embarrassed for a second. Now, I'll tell you, I don't know as a man how to be embarrassed for a second. I'll tell you that right now. Mm-hmm. No one's ever taught it to me. No one's ever trained me. I am still embarrassed by mistakes I made 40 years ago. Oh, and easy. 30 years ago mm-hmm. and 20 years ago. No one has ever told me how to be embarrassed for a second. Now, that's not a, a knock on my parents or you know any role models I had. I don't know how to do that. Now, I'm st- working on that. I am haunted by one event in my life where I – was supposed to rise to the occasion and I kind of, kind of failed. And, um, I think about it nonstop and I think about what, well, and I forgiven myself. I know why it happened. It really was like, I really get it. Like it really wasn't a hundred percent like, uh, okay, this is all me and you really fucked. It really wasn't like, it wasn't like oh, I'm at the free throw line and I missed the free. It was like there's a lot of different things that pointed to this one moment and I, and I still did fine, but it wasn't my standard. And I still think about it all the time. But you have uh, the dad, Nate's dad, Lloyd, I think his name is. And we all, we glamorize parenting in that we're going to get to raise kids and see all the great parts of ourselves in the kids. Unfortunately, a big part of parenting is seeing the shittiest parts of yourself replicated Mm. DNA style into children uh, that did not deserve to get your shit. And... I have done so much work as a parent, really trying to hone in on all my worst qualities that I see in them and tell them as much as I can how to cope with it at an early age. They learn, okay, this is part of you. You didn't ask for this. Okay, yeah, you know that uh, your ugly toes, that's your uncle Jerry. You can thank him for that. You know, the you know, your uh when you get awkward in situations and you start making a sound in the back of your throat, that's your great grandma on the other side. You know, like there's all these things that we did not ask for, right? And if you normalize it and talk about it, you know, I I see things uh, in my children where I know how much I suffered and I didn't have parents where I could go, hey, I'm really going through this or whatever. So I really go out of my way to help my kids do the the bad stuff. Lloyd, uh, conversely, sees the thing he hated about himself in his son, right? He sees that inaction and the inability to go and like make a decisive move. And what does he do? Does he talk about it? Say, hey, you know what? I was just like that. And it really cost me. You know, I could have had five more years with your mom. I knew her my whole life. I could have had 10 more, you know, and and I don't want to see you make the same mistake. No, he doesn't. He just grunts and hides behind his paper. And I think that's cowardice. And it makes me really dislike the father. 
Um, and, and on some level, it makes me have some sympathy for Nate because how would he know, uh, how to fail and be okay with it? How would he know how to be embarrassed for a second? Um, now go ahead. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. I mean, and, and this, that's really, it's, it's incredibly insightful in that piece around what do you do when you encounter those pieces? Right. And, and, and I, I guess there's just a lot, I, I, if we're going to do this with Nate, I just feel like there's just a ton of missed opportunity, right? There's just a, what happens if you don't let dad out of this room? What happens if Nicole's like, grow up, dad. And if you think you're saving Sophia, you should hear how we talk about her when you're not around. We're, we're cleaning this up for you. Right, you know what right, I mean? Right. Oh, what do we do with that? And then what happens if Nate gives his speech and whatever, and, and dad's sitting there going, oh, my God, I can't believe that you would say any of these things out loud. Make a map like a man. And 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 what if then you have this moment where Nicole says, show him the map, and, and, and mom has to deal with, she knows about the map. Not only she knows about the map, now you're also going to show it to him. Like, let's, if we're going to do it, Let's do it. But it feels like we'd never do it. But then Nate, at the end of it, it has a revelation. And I'm like, so what revelation? Like, I think they went right up to this whole I, thing. I agree. And then didn't yeah. do it. I would love to see dad, even if he does it shitty, even if he goes back behind his newspaper. Like, that would be fascinating to me. If all that went down and he cannot fucking cope and you cut to him in his bedroom with his wife coming in to say something and he is sitting on the bed reading the newspaper and looks at her from behind it the same way he looked at Nate. To me, oh shit, right? And then like Nate's, what does Nate take from all that? Like all this time I was thinking he was all powerful and he's really just, he he's behind the, uh, he's, he's us. Right. He's he's the wizard. He's 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 the guy behind the curtain. And I thought you were this big thundering voice and you're just a guy back there tr- faking the funk. Yeah, 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 that's true. I mean, what what other reason? It's cowardice. I mean, what other what what do you have as a job more than to give your children the tools you didn't have? You know what I mean? Just tools because life is hard. Anyone that, that tells you different is selling something. Right. So uh, uh, to quote the Dread Pirate Roberts, mm-hmm. which I always seem to do on this on this podcast, um, <laughs> and and also also it normalizes. You could also get married, have two wonderful children, live happily ever after. To which I groan a little bit because I'm like, that's not everybody's dream, you know. That's not right. everybody's dream, right? Right. You know, wait, it's not. <laughs> <sighs> Somebody wrote, "Did not love mom's performance." Was that me? That's me, but I'm glad that you thought it could be you. Total podcasting. Um, no, I didn't. I I didn't buy it. Um, and then I, you know, in my never-ending quest to 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 find the best in this show, thought, well, is she supposed to be playing this like slightly detached version of herself, and that's how she navigates? It? And I was like, no, this is just too much. I just didn't. I. I didn't buy her reactions, the happily ever after line. I guess I got it, but I didn't. There was just something about it. Nicole and Nate seemed genuinely connected to one another. 
and she seemed to be there and participating, but my sense of connection wasn't quite lined up the same way. I just didn't feel she was in there with them in the way that I would have wanted her to be. Yeah, and she might be a pawn of the oppressor. We don't know. I always wonder about status and dynamics and families. Like, oh, are you dad's spy here? Like, what percentage of uh, how is this going to be translated? So, what did you speak of when I when I departed? Like, oh, oh, um, well, you know, like the fact that she shows the map is an indication she's like sort of, you know, going against what the the dad's wishes might be. Eventually, in the scene, you know, right after this moment, we hear them laugh together. Uh, you know, after she says you could live happily after ever, Nathan chuckles. Then we hear the door coming open, and Mom goes, "Oh shit!" Which I thought, "Oh, that's that's a good beat. That's a little treacly cutter there." Uh, we hear Lloyd call, "We're back," and we hear Mom say, "Quick, distract him." And Nate is sitting there thinking. He doesn't do any of the distraction. I'm guessing because uh, he believes women should do everything for him. That's really right, boss? funny. I mean, probably that. More likely, probably, he would know that his dad would not be interested in being distracted by him, so he would be inefficient at it. That's interesting. I I, I also, like, Nate's thinking beat there at the end. I just want to highlight it. Um, I, I, won- I wondered if actually more so than insight into himself, this was supposed to be providing insight into Jade. Like, you know, you talk, they say, you know, you go out in the world and marry your mother. Like, I was like, is he going out in the world and marrying his father here? Like, this sort of, like, withheld love, blah, blah, blah figure. Like, oh, I get it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. May, very, very possibly. Yeah. Um. Now we cut from that scene, thankfully. And let's never speak of it again. Um, and, sure. uh, yep. We go to another city uh, waking up montage. Uh, what would I do without you by Ray Charles? The great Ray Charles is playing. Um, there is a shot of this guy I want to call attention to. There's a shot of a guy squeegeeing a soapy window on a restaurant called Haya. I don't know if you guys remember. And when he squeegees that, the suds off. It is borderline sexual to me. <laughs> it is so satisfying. I think I made this sound oh. when I first saw I was like, Oh, oh, God. oh, like that. And Juliana looked at me like, what in the, f-? and I was like, will you look at those clean lines? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And it was, it's like when, you know, listen, there's entire uh, channels on YouTube to power washing dedicated. They call it power washing yes. porn. Yes. You just watch people clean shit. And you guys won't believe this. There is a video game now where you can power wash things in a vi- you just the whole video game is you cleaning shit in a video game what? and i'm like okay this is the thing that's why people i know coach has the craziest look like like all right all right y'all we going around the bend now i, I don't even <laughs> uh, but you know when you when you mow your lawn some people get the lawn mowing thing where it's like that okay a nice tight lines for me it was snow plowing i used to snow plow big um uh, parking lots, and I'm sure I've said this in the past, but that back and forth, really clean lines. There's something so satisfying about it. Anyway, I don't know what that is, but that squeegee thing, I ba- I went, I backed it up a couple times. So I was like, ah, damn, that's beautiful. So now we get more shots of the city. Business is opening. Sam walks into Ola's. There's a you know a bunch of uh, spray bottle and other supplies on a table. They're, they're saying it's you know kind of showing the place is not ready. Um, there's uh, – as Sam walks in, 
he's looking around and he's curious. He's not judgmental. You know, very very much the lasso way sort of sort of uh, take on what's happening in here because he's looking around like what 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 is going on. Um, he's wearing all tans and beiges, uh, sort of a visually neutral look as opposed to the you know, the Ola staff is all in black jerseys and checkered pants, um, black and white pants. And um, this is an interesting choice. Now, Coach, this this is something I think you wanted to talk about a little bit. Mm-hmm. The uh, you know we talked a lot about having a binary nature to things, um, and how we feel. You know, almost all the time, looking at the nuance will get you to a better place than sort of picking a side of extremes. Um, what is happening here, Coach? Walk us through. Uh, What's going on? Well, I mean, we it's literally, right? We say that, that you know, so-and-so sees things in black and white when we mean they're judgmental, right? And I thought that putting him in that neutral palette was like almost visual curiosity. Um, and then we also see when we now look at the, uh, we look at the prime minister, um, you know, in, in, in the shot, which we're, we're getting to right here, it's bold blue red white like this is our nation and we are saying that quite boldly and i think given what i would describe as a uh a, a nationalist message i i don't think that's a mistake either so i i i think there's a lot going on there in terms of people picking sides bright lines no flexibility right i mean how do you turn away as they're describing here you know large groups of refugees, including several women and children, and just turn their little life raft away. I mean, even if they can't stay forever, I would hope that a country could do better than that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, and this is a pressing issue. It's not as much of an issue here with the with the sort of boat. It is if you live in the uh, sort of southern Florida area, you'll see a lot of that. Um, but but with the with the exodus from Syria and other places, war torn uh, parts of the globe, you'll get boat after boat after boat. Um, I remember I have some relatives in Greece that work in the their version of border uh, border patrol, and it used to be a blow off job <laughs> for lazy people who would be like they park you on an island and you, you kind of roll out of bed and look at the ocean and go yeah we're good like that's your job um now they take th- there are thousands and thousands of people you have 2000 greek islands so you have people sneaking by boat from asia minor turkey area into you name it one of any one of th- thousands of islands and then trying to get to somewhere in Europe um, to save their families. And so this is a pretty, pretty contested hot topic. And um, all we need to know really is that there are boats kilometers from Portsmouth Harbor, Harbor, um, dozens of refugees. And we have uh, Brenda Burrow, the, the home secretary. Um, and what does she say, boss? I think you're probably on this, podcast you're probably the closest to a brinda burrow type oh obviously for sure um she said to anyone attempting to enter our country illegally i say this go home britain is closed which to your point earlier about things being in black and white um and sam dressing in neutral colors i feel that there is 
and not necessarily among us, but in the general public, this idea that nuance requires having some sort of moderate or center position, that I am being nuanced if I say, oh, well, on the one hand, yes, I would like trans kids to not kill themselves. But on the other hand, maybe trans people are evil. Like, I don't know. Nuance is not about seeing both sides equally necessarily. It's about seeing the actual details of the facts involved and making a decision based on not just the assumption that Britain must be closed. Like, is Britain actually closed? Do we have resources? Do we have the houses? Could we maybe not spend 250 million pounds on King Charles coronation and do something with that money instead? Mm. Are there other options? So it like, I think that that needs to be very distinct. I have very firm opinions on a lot of things. And that doesn't mean that they aren't nuanced. It just means that I have come, I have reviewed the information and made a decision. And so I don't want to conflate the two. Sometimes I feel bad that I love everything boss says, because then she says something that I (laughs) like love, love, love squared. And then, you know, there's nowhere to go from there. No, but really that's, that's super important. And it drives me crazy when people it, it could be politics, it could be whatever, where they do what you just described, where it's like, well, on the one hand, on the other, I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> like, let's get down to what's really going on here. And even to say, go home, Britain is closed. I'm sorry. There is definitely another way to say that. Yes. And to actually have the exact same policy, go home, Britain is closed is middle finger. And, you know, it's not shocking that some people respond poorly to having the middle finger, you know, flipped at them and or people who look like them. Definitely. Yeah, this is more haves and have not stuff, but it really comes down to be the ability to do critical thinking and just critically think about an issue, just critically, like, you know, assess it and not be pulled one way or another because of preposterous extremes to find a false middle. Uh, you look and you, this is exactly when Beard says, uh, how about some perspective, Mother Superior? Like, it's Nazis. You know, like, what? A little little perspective? Is that too much to ask? We do that all the time. All in every single topic, uh, we do it all the time. And you go, what is the point? Like, stop kowtowing to buffoons. Absolutely. Like, oh, God, it's so exhausting. And And... We have spent so much of our lives fighting against, um, like craziness. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it yeah. makes me so mad. It makes me so mad. Of what percentage of my life that I thought of my adult life would be spent, you know, pursuing knowledge and joy and happiness and safety with my family and do you know like really good things, mm-hmm. uh, and and what percentage now I have to spend. Talking about asinine bullshittery. I just go, what the fuck are we talking about? It's crazy. Quick, Quickly, Coach, I think, and I'm going to go back a little bit in time for this example, but it captures it for me. Um, In 2016, when a person I won't name was running for president, this person threw out that the real, quote, unquote, real unemployment rate was 42%. And people I know got the high school education I got, people who I know went on to college, who I know at some point somebody put a graph in front of them and said, do you understand how to understand this? 
were repeating that. And I was like, whoever you're going to vote for, do you honestly believe that the unemployment rate right now is twice what it was during the Great Depression? I'm just like, just as a starting point. And, and to me, that's an example of what you're putting out there is like, and what boss started with us, started us on is like, we have to be able to do that kind of work. And we're now not going to like average out between 42, which is insanity and some number that we may feel doesn't tell the whole story and go, ah, eh, well, we'll average it out at 27%. No, we won't. We'll find out what the fucking unemployment rate is and we'll use that number to have a conversation amongst adults. Yes, absolutely. That's a great example because it, it, it that is one of those cases where it's like we could find a compromise, but the compromise number would be wrong. It would be a lie and inaccurate. And you can't have further conversation on something based on a lie. You need to, to you find the answer and then you have the conversation. Anyway, it's a very it's a very. Um, it's disheartening uh, to see people in need. Uh, and, and a country, a person, uh, anyone turns their back on them. There was just an amazing, uh, story in the New York Times about two Sudanese boys, students, young men who hopped in their Toyota Camry and saved 60 UN uh, p- people who were left behind by the UN and all the fighting. And it's just a tremendous, I'll try to put a link in the, um, in the description if I remember. Um, but, yeah, no, it's just fascinating. It, when people, you just want to help. I mean, it's, it's amazing the people that don't want to help. I, I'll never understand the people that go, that's not my problem. That has nothing to do with me. I pay my taxes. I don't, it's not my, my thing. I just don't, I don't get it. I'll never understand that. But um, anyway, uh, over the last few days, uh, you know, this is what the story has been there at, at, at the, the Simi and the other chefs are looking at. They, what a stupid idiot. What a piece of shit. Simi says, you know, someone needs to send her back where she came from, right? Her mother's butthole, right? Um, and everyone says, yes, chef. Uh, and Sam says, what, coach? Or somebody could try and speak to the better angels of this clearly misguided person. And he, and he goes to, to tweet. I... I... Like so much because, you know, I felt that Sam's been an acolyte, you know, very quickly. He was a part of this from the goldfish moment, you know, forward that this is his first reaction. Is this an acceptable way to behave in his opinion? No. But his how do I deal with that? I'm going to I'm going to dunk her in some milk. Right. Like he 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 goes for the milk first. And I think that's significant. I also think it's funny that he's pairing up with, it seems at least, well, in business he has, it seems like it may be more than that, with Simi, whose reaction is, I will shove this cookie down her throat and kill her with it. (laughs) (laughs) I will choke her on this cookie. You know what I mean? So it's interesting that those two found each other, and I wondered if in some interesting way that's not one-to-one but equivalent um that simi is beard to sam's ted yes absolutely yeah no really there's a there's the the definite definite feel of that uh sam texts uh composes a tweet profoundly disturbed by the situation at portsmouth harbor i hope brindaborough underscore uk will reconsider her position and help make britain better than this 
And Simi says, what, boss? Bitch. And Sam says, what? You should say, help make Britain better than this bitch. Which <laughs> is another, certainly another take. Uh, Sam says, I think I'll stick with mine. So, um, yeah, this is a similar moment that Ted had with Roy uh, talking about, okay, you know, you hit him with the rope until you laugh for as loud as you can for as long as you can. And then you continue beating. And Ted's like, uh, yeah, I think I'll whatever. Now, can I just toss it? I want to toss this in, coach. In both those cases, I think you get a version of what boss described, which is even you're way out there, like way more violent than I'm interested in being. I'm not saying I'm not going to reject it or say that if you were sending the tweet, that isn't what you should say. I am saying, though, that I have a way I'm going to do it. And that's not it. And I think that still falls within curious. You don't have to do you don't have to take every suggestion to be open minded. Yes, that's an excellent point. There is a um, there's a comic. uh, I'll think of it and maybe post a link, but it's basically why. Tolerance can't allow for intolerance of other people. So it's basically about how if you tolerate Nazis, yes. what you're going to end up with is Nazis killing people that they don't tolerate. So tolerance actually does require parameters and boundaries that we will accept this behavior. And tolerance is important in these things. But no, we're not going to tolerate your desire to murder people because you're a serial killer. That's not what tolerance is. So yes, you don't need to listen. You don't need to take everybody's advice in order to keep an open mind. You just need to listen to them and decide to reject it. I always marvel at the people who like the semi character would type bitch and be like, I am your enemy. I want to put it right out there. I am your enemy. And then there's people who like, I always try to keep doors open. I'm like, you never know. Like maybe we can like make, make some, it's just a different way of looking at it. I would be definitely like Sam. Um, but there's a case to be made for, and, and th- we don't have time to get into this today, but there's a hush your butt moment here. Everyone has their own hush your butt moment, right? So this is even on this podcast, you'll hear Coach and I wax poetically about something, and then you have Boss just like sneer. You can't see her sneer and shake her head about what buffoons and children we are, and she'll be like, Actually, all you had to do is just kick him in the balls and it would have been fine. That would have been the end of that. Like, there's just, you know what I mean? Like, we all have our hush your butt moment. And for Simi, it's like, no, no, this is already past the point of no return uh, for uh, Brenda Burrow, whatever her name is. Uh, for me, you're, you're, you cover a blood stain was past the point for Nate. That was, that was where I said, okay, yeah, no, I don't need, now I can be decisive because I know you've shown me who you are. And for some people who have always looked for a Nate redemption, maybe that wasn't that hush your butt moment. So I just think it's interesting. And I think if there's a blind spot to the current lasso way and coach, you're not allowed to talk about this right now because you will definitely talk for three hours if I let you about this specific point. When we talk about the lasso way, and we try to sort of now conflate it with total football and the concept of total football. Um, we don't, and, and we can talk about John Wooden and, and his pyramid of success, and we can talk about inverting the pyramid. For some reason, I keep finding that an outlier is the decisiveness, is the vision of one person to actually make it go. And so in situations where we see Nate's family, 
the predominant vision for the family is being employed by Lloyd. Everyone defaults to Lloyd, right? And then the subterfuge vision is employed by the mom who has to do things outside of his line of vision, right? Uh, if you have uh, West Ham, the the purview is Rupert. He is the defining person, and he makes a, de- a decision, and then everything has to operate the way he says. So in all of these scenarios, we are looking at situations where um, the the culture of a place is dis- is is very important, and it's decided by the person with the most uh, like what would we say about KJPR? Who who is deciding the culture of KJPR? Is it Keeley or is it Barbara? Right now, it's Barbara still. Right. So so you ha- we have to take all these things into consideration. You say, okay, this is everyone has their different has their different sort of take on it, and um, th- you know, part of it is building a culture where people all of the takes get put put in and give you the new more evolved take but in the lasso way and in total football um, i feel like i keep looking for someone to say you but you need a key person to make it who's the engine and we'll talk about this later when with a, with a jamie speech that's coming up um so yeah anyway it's fascinating stuff um just in the in the decision between Sam, he's going to take the high road. He's going to do the lasso way. He's going to he's going to leave doors open and and decide that rather than being a unrepentant bigot, that Brenda Burrow is uh, is clearly misguided. And we're going to talk a little bit more towards the end of the episode about where Sam's take on that comes from and who influenced his thought process on that. Um, now we go, we cut over to outside of Taste of Athens. There are pedestrians ch- uh, chattering outside. Nate comes strolling up and proudly pulls the door open the right way. Big, beaming smile. He approaches Jade at the host stand. She's wiping down menus again, of course, because uh, a Taste of Athens might have roaches, but you could serve the queen a uh, a jelly donut off the menus apparently because all she ever does is <laughs> wipe <laughs> menus down. I'm like it's like nobody noticed that all she does is wipe menus. Anyway, uh, boss, walk us through what happens here. After she's wiping down the menu, uh, Nate comes in and he says hi. Jade says hello there, and then he says Nate. Just a reminder in case it, she didn't remember sitting down to eat the blachava or however they pronounce it over there, blachava. Um, he says, um, there's something that I wanted to ask you, um, would you, and she kind of smiles at him a little bit. And then he immediately says, uh, excuse me one moment. And he walks back to the bathroom and he's at the sink. I didn't expect that he would spit on the mirror like he previously did, but it seemed like it was trying to hint at that. I, this seemed like the show trying to make Nate grow a little bit it, because he does not spit on the mirror. He does in fact turn around and say, uh, walk out and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. I've just got to do one thing. And then he leaves. This should for me, I agree with you a hundred percent. This for me 
was evidence that I wasn't having the experience of Nate's storyline that I wanted to be having. Because this, for me, should, should have felt like Ted and his deep breath when shit could have gone sideways and he could have had a panic attack. And he was, based on the growth I've seen, he was able to take a deep breath and go talk to his team. And I just felt like, I know because I'm a smart person who's seen a lot of stories, I know what you're telling me is happening here, but I'm not having an experience. I as as I will use yes. my tears as a Ted Lasso uh, meter imp- implement, a measuring device. And when they get me, they get me. When I, you know... When Jamie makes that extra pass, as much as my heart is broken, I'm like, oh, my God, look at look at our little yes. Jamie growing up. Yeah. And I yeah, just yeah, didn't yeah. feel yeah. any of that here. I was like, I'm glad no one's going to have to clean off the mirror. But how did he get here? It, well, I don't think that they've shown us any of his growth. Right. I think that with Ted, even though I have my own issues with I, I feel like them bailing on his uh, suicide dad plot line, they do show him talking to Dr. Sharon and doing the breathing and trying to remind himself like. He's doing the actual practice itself. All Nate's done is get a pretty girl to eat dessert with him. Like he, he, we haven't seen him on the pitch, so we don't know how he is with his players. If he's still being an asshole and making them stand on the dummy line. We haven't really seen him with Rupert other than sort of being upset about Miss Cakes, but not doing anything about it. Um, He's had dessert with Jade. There's nothing else that shows that he is doing anything to be different from who he is. Wait a second. Wait a second. Hold on. I'm not sure you're right about that because he did look in a mirror. So, (laughs) you know, and he made a couple faces in the mirror. You know, boss, like you're really judgy. I don't want to like get in a big fight on this podcast, but like, I don't think you're downplaying the importance of looking in a mirror and then kind of changing your face a little bit and maybe like realizing something. He did all of that work. Yeah. 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 And where, yeah. where are you to give him credit for that? Because clearly <laughs> a massive transition happened, happened in that moment, mm-hmm. right? And so, and like, are you even thinking about like the, the barbacks that don't have to clean up the, the mirror if he spits oh on my it? God. There's just so much you're not thinking about here. And we're supposed to be a deep dive, boss. That's all I'm saying. We're just supposed we to. We are wow. supposed to be a deep dive. Yeah. He did go to all the trouble of looking in a mirror. Um, have I mentioned? <laughs> and I have I mentioned him. yet? Um, one of my favorite insults was, uh, my buddy, Tim, way back in the day about a Sox player that he didn't care for. I asked his opinion and my buddy, Tim goes, "Mm, if you look him in the face, you could tell he's a stroke. And I thought, oh, if you go to all of that work, if you, if you look him in the face, you could tell he's a stroke. And this is the same thing. He went to all of the trouble of looking into a mirror and now he's safe. Your, your friend's that. funny. That's a funny thing to say about somebody. Oh my god, he's hilarious. I, uh, <laughs> I like him right away. I, that's, he sounds great. Yeah, he's one of the funniest people I've ever met in my entire life. Um, he one time uh, he lived a couple blocks down the street when we were growing up, and his mom told him and his brother to walk my little sister home because it was late. Very safe neighborhood, but being overly cautious. So they walk, and he gets a block down. And he was like, okay, so we can watch you from here. We'll watch you walk into the house, but we're not walking all the way down there. And she was like, no, your mom told me told you to walk me home. And he was like, yeah, no, we can see from here. You'll be safe. It's fine. It's 10 p.m. You'll be fine. You could walk home. You're 15 years old. You're fine. It's good. And he goes, no, you, your mom told me that you would walk me home. And so you're going to walk me home. And he says, hey, Ellen, what do you say? 
we're only walking you half of the way. And then she went home. And then that was it. Wow. And now we still say to each other a lot, hey, Ellen, we're only walking you half the way. He's a funny dude. Very funny dude. That's great. Well, I, I, I don't understand what's going on here with Nate. I don't know what we're meant to think happened at the mirror. I, I love the writing staff. We always try to, uh, you know, really highlight their excellent choices. This was a choice that I was a little underwhelmed by just because I don't think I track it. I, I wish I had a, a few more data points to understand exactly what's happening in the mirror. Is it that he is beginning to like himself? Is it that he didn't have the desire to actually spit in his face that he has, uh, in, in his successes, in his, um, transition from shit kicker to head coach somewhere along the way he's learned to like himself. Is it that um, he recognizes that the power move Rebecca had about baking herself big is not the same as spitting at the reflection of yourself in the mirror. And that doesn't necessarily help him or make him uh, be the person he wants to be. We don't know the answers to these things. I don't, I'm sure it's one or maybe not one of those. Maybe it's something else. I don't really know, but then it's really hard to get behind, especially because I'm not rooting for him anyway, because I don't think he's done the work and I don't think he deserves redemption yet. And I don't understand Jade. <laughs> like I, so I'm like, yeah. well, I don't, I don't know what I'm meant to get from, from any of this. So, and I'm sorry, listen, maybe there's uh, people listening to, to, to those of you listening um, out there who might really be invested in this. I, I, I apologize because we're not trying to belittle it or demean it. I, I just felt like it was less easy to follow than some of the other subplots. I want to, I'm glad you said it that exactly that way, because I, I, I want to make sure I'm clear that this is me complaining. And I guess that's a fair word about execution or certainly commenting on execution. The idea of Nate, being able to look in the mirror and not despise himself to get to a genuine moment of self-acceptance, if not self-love, I am here for it. In the context of the new manhood and that construction and all that that could mean, bring it on. What I'm saying, and I feel like I am channeling uh, for later in the episode, I am channeling boss as we all play each other's positions. What I'm saying is not that that's a bad idea. What I'm saying is that it was not executed well here, and so it left me cold. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you, Coach. And, and I, um, I don't know how it uh, helps the show, and I don't know how it how it uh, unifies viewers. So. Uh, here's the thing. Let's say uh, uh, Coach Boss and I are at, taking a road trip, and we find it, we're in a torrential downpour, and we're trapped on uh, in, a, in a place where uh, we have to go. Uh, one of us has to leave the car. I would send Boss because I trust her less than I trust Coach, and I'm sure that because Fair. she's a realist, she would in an emergency she would sell us out to get some gas or some corn chips or something. Um, in that way, I think you just have to be realistic. You say, oh, okay, yeah, this is this is the, uh, you know, you have to addition by subtraction. With Nate, I'm like, okay, we're headed towards clearly some, we're headed towards some redemption for Nate. Whether or not any of us think it's earned, 
uh, is immaterial because the the <laughs> the, the show's going to do what the show's going to do, right? I don't want Nate around. Like right now, I don't want him around. I don't know what what he is. We could celebrate this moment as the death of evil Nate. If we were more invested in it and we cared and we thought this mirror moment was earned as an appropriate bookend to the the origin of evil Nate, right? This is where it happened. This is where evil Nate started. He spouted himself. He went back out and demanded the table from Jade, who now we're suspecting was just kind of fucking with him and not really like she was just kind of a she's that's her sense of humor, the Jason Jelly of it all, right? So, but this didn't feel like that. This didn't feel like closure to me. It didn't feel like, oh, all right, good. Now, goodbye, evil Nate. Like, now we have a whole new chapter because all of the stuff leading up to it did not um did not earn that that closure, I I, I think. And, and when you look back at the last thing that we what could we infer from the things that uh, he learned in the girl, quote unquote, girl talk with his family. Oh, they said, Nate, just, you know, yeah, maybe you'll be embarrassed for a second, but you might end up with a family and kids or whatever. Right. And that's also not what's happening here. He, he almost does that. He, he is proud as he opens the door properly and he goes right up to her. She gives him a big smile. Everything. T- the table is set. There's three runners on bottom of the ninth. Like, just take a cut, man. You know what I mean? The pitch yeah. is on its way in, and he doesn't. He runs away. He looks himself in the mirror. He has some I, a moment I can't identify as a professional show watcher, and then, and then, and then what? Then he then he bugs out of there and says, "Actually, there's one thing I need to do first and leaves her high and dry, boss." Uh, well, I'm afraid that what they are planning to do is show something about the. It, being in love will solve this, that he is going to be able to turn himself into a person that Jade would be interested in dating. And therefore everything's good. He hasn't really changed. They haven't shown him doing that. But even that idea within the show is disproven because Nate's mom fell in love with Nate's dad. And all that did was produce Nate, who is now a self-hating asshole who bullies other people. Like, if whatever is going on with Nate's dad could have been solved by a good woman's love, Nate wouldn't be in the position he is right now. Even if Nate gets Jade, he's not going to be better. I think we are watching in that relationship and what you just highlighted, boss. This is not total family. Yes. Because in in, in tolerating or whatever word we want to use for it, um, ha 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 ha, you walk out of a room where your son, who I know very well, wants nothing more than your uh acceptance and approval and 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 make him one of the girls in quotes with all that that means. That can't be ha 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 because ultimately it's bad for the team. And ultimately, yes. yep. if we're it, it's it all sorts of things are okay, or I, I think you accept them if they're in the name of making the team great of the greater good. But that's not that's that's I, I was in a situation I may have mentioned this uh, recently, so it's, it's top of mind. But I shared with someone it was a whole long conflict, and I shared that. It's an insight I had, and it also helped me understand why I was as angry as I was in the situation. And I said, they chose their peace over my justice. And mom chooses her peace over Nate's justice. And that is a big part of what has derailed in this family. 
So number one, that is a fantastic point. And also I'm going to steal that line specifically. um, So if we get around to eventually recording a podcast, we have an idea about uh, for just general reaction to the show. One of the things that I am worried about is that Ted Lasso, the show is picking a certain amount of peace at times yes. rather than getting the correct amount of justice. I see it now. It, and this is something at growing up in suburban Chicago with a number of, uh, not my family. My family is a lot Irish Catholic and we scream at each other like larger family too. But other families that I've met are very waspy and very, we're not going to talk about the bad things because we want things to be nice. So even though mom and dad actually hate each other and haven't slept in the same bedroom for 15 years and can't stand to be alone with each other, our family is very nice. And that's not nice. That's dysfunctional and fucked up and bad. And you're just not saying it out loud. I I, I love that you bring that up. And I will share this. It was part of the, what I just uh, described to you. And it's a little past the line I usually go up to on this show. But I did use the phrase, politeness can suck my dick. That is an actual thing. <laughs> That I yes. said in this world no. in a real situation, but it was how I felt when it was exactly what you, seriously, though, it was exactly what you're saying, which is kind. I am here for it. Nice. Yes. I don't really give a shit about Absolutely. nice. If I'm honest, I don't. I think nice. I mean, beyond like holding a door open or saying thank you if somebody did for me or whatever. But for me, even that comes from a place of kindness that comes from a place of like, let's make the world more like this, not let's make this one moment kind of feel like it has a bow on it so yeah i'm with you on that thank you coach that's a that's a surprise for me because i've always found you to be very articulate (laughs) (laughs) i hate when you legitimately break me up i hate when you legitimately (laughs) break me it makes me so mad (laughs) you really got me that is uh that is coding as a racist ass term, folks. For <laughs> coach brought up in another episode. If you're joining <laughs> us for the first time, <laughs> I was just very very racist to to my brother, Coach Bishop. Um, so yeah, Nate is out, and Jade returns to wiping schmutz and COVID off of things, uh, the way all jilted lovers do. Now we cut to the dog track. Guys are still running. No clear sign of Jamie out front. It's a really, really quick uh, clip. So I, I tried to analyze it best I could, but there was no obvious leader. Uh, Roy, whistle, whistle, bring it in. Trent is watching. Notebook open. He's got a patterned scarf over one of his many uh, T-shirts and blazer outfits. Um, Ted says, all right, fellas, how you feeling? How you all feeling? And Mo pukes. Mo bumper catch. And all the players are groaning and whatever. Ted says, oh, God, Bumbercatch, did you just puke whole Cheerios? And to which Bumbercatch says, what, uh, Coach? Yes, Coach. I like to eat my breakfast without chewing to conserve my energy in case an impending class war breaks out, as one does. Yeah, well, because I, I, I have no idea why that matters, uh, but okay. But this is an um, ongoing I, – I, I'm not saying it does matter, but I will say it is an ongoing thing – with Bumbercatch this season, these sort of like oh no question this political yeah, the, money, the Hague um the, go whatever, to the Hague yep the bus, international the, court of justice you know, yeah yep. it's a very interesting so anyway so Ted, Ted says yeah no it makes sense I get it yeah 
which I really like. I just like when Ted is that guy. I just like how mm-hmm. he accepts everybody. Mm-hmm. He doesn't go, well, that's dumb. What? Yeah. You want to explain that bumper catch? We got, we'll take a minute because that don't, that doesn't make no sense. Like he doesn't do that. He goes, okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. You got, you do you. I, I mean, it's just like, I do like that about the lasso way where you, where you do you. Yep. Mm-hmm. I, and you know, also, yeah, go ahead, boss. It, fitting with Ted discussing food during the middle of practice, you might remember you need to warm up that day old rice or else it, you might get you sick. Yeah. yeah. From the yeah. first season. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. That's right. The human body really and, is, uh, what did he say? A miracle or whatever. Danny. Yeah. I love Danny. <laughs> yes. Uh, all right, gentlemen. Today we're going to focus on versatility. Now, in total football, you got to constantly be asking yourself, what does this situation need right now? I don't want to say anything. But I was gonna, okay, you're, you got it. Because I was going to say, I won't say anything else other than write that down. Write that down. That is huge. Yeah, if you're listening to this podcast, that you, that is a that is a gargantuan line. That is what does the situation need right now? Add it to your life. Add it to your life, and then don't do the thing it doesn't need. <laughs> it's like really basic. Uh, I, I'm even learning uh, in situations uh, to take take a step back and go, okay, does it need me to joke around right now? Which is my normal th- way of diffusing tension. Does it need me to be more uh, understanding? Does it need, or do you need me to shut the fuck up and listen? And that's always the hardest one. Um, but yeah, what does this situation need right now? You know, do I need to drop back on defense and replace Jan Moss on defense? Or, you know, should I attack like Jamie? Or, you know, do I need to lend Roy a piece uh, here a piece of gum because his breath smells like Dookie? And we get this over-the-shoulder shot of Roy looking at Ted. And Ted says, what, boss? Completely hypothetical. Uh, don't worry, you're fine. You're fine. Yeah, don't worry. You're, you're fine. You're fine. We move back to the front. We back to the two shot of of Roy and Ted and Frame. All right, you got to be able to jump in anywhere at any time. And then Roy does what, boss? Checks his breath on his hand. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, I really like that little subtle moment. I, I, I related to that. Like even after you assured me that you didn't say it for a reason, I'd be like, "Well, you must have said it for some reason." I, yeah, so Maybe, I, yeah, I must worked. have had bad breath at some point, right? Yeah. Um, and, and the way they do that, uh, well, is to understand and appreciate everyone's position and everyone's position's function. I just want to toss in that, and, and I really toss in empathy. If you apply this to life, that's what empathy is, right? I mean, it's appreciating everyone's position and every position's function, right? And and it doesn't mean you have to be over to their side or whatever, but that fundamental like embracing of all that reality. It's not, hey, I want to score, which they were going to allow Jamie to continue to be, right? It's what everybody's got a role here and it matters. And the roles matter. I actually like so much. I don't know if you meant it technically on the actual football pitch or not, but you said it doesn't mean you need to go over to their side. But mm. understanding somebody's position. Yes. Empathy itself is not, I feel what you are feeling and I agree with you. It's, I understand what you are going through and where you are coming from. I still think you're wrong. You're still not right. But I do understand why you are in the position you are. Or I'm open to it. Or I'm open to not knowing. And just giving yes. you a that little too. leeway, give you a little space to make choices. Like when Jamie said that on the field. Yeah, no, coach. The best thing is to give space so they can 
And Roy goes, fuck, remember that? So this is all part of it. I have a, um, I have a member of my family, younger teenager member of my family, who has a toxic uh, role model. And so we're driving the other day, and I hear her, my, the, the, member, the teenager, she says, uh, we're going down a little back road um, here in Massachusetts, and there are two people walking. There's, there's a, a woman walking with a dog, and then there's a person with, on an electric wheelchair on the street. And there's no cars on the street. It's a tiny, tiny little back road. And the electric wheelchair person is um, like sort of too far in the road, like really like almost the center of the road, like as if they were a car driving in the road. And and the member of my family who's a girl, teenager, says, why are they in the road like that? And I heard the toxic person I don't like. I heard that like, oh, that that is directly from, you know what I mean? I heard it. I heard it. And so I said like, I just, I paused for a sec before we approached them. I just stopped the car and I said, what makes you say that? I'm, I'm just curious. Like what, what's, why is that your first take on this? And I said, how do you know that that's not the nicest person in the world? How do you know that's they, their electric wheelchair has not been broken for six months and they're so fired up and they don't want to hit a pebble on the napkin of the road or, you know, the side of the road. How do you know that that wheelchair isn't seconds away from, from, um, breaking down and they say, I got to be real careful and not go anywhere near the gravel on the outside. Or how do you know this isn't the person saying, you know, I'm going to go into hospice tonight and this is my last ride on this road. You don't know that. You don't know that, but you assume they're bothering you because we have to pause for a second while they slide right one foot. You know what I mean? And so to make my point, because I tend to be this person, I drive right up. I put down the window. They're in the passenger seat. And I put down the window and I stop right next to those people. And I'm like, hey, folks, beautiful day, isn't it? Oh, and they are the <laughs> two nicest people. Dog is jumping on the car. And, you know, the person's like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm like, I don't care. I'm never a person that cares about cars or anything like that. And we're petting the dog. And these people are wonderful. And then we drive on. I put the window up. I don't say a word. And... And uh, she she's just quiet for a second. She goes, "Okay." I'm like nice. that's it. That's it. You know, that's it. Just, right? It's not. And maybe those people would have been jerks. And maybe whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that first reaction. Like, just give people a little space. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Maybe they're having the worst of the day of their lives. You know. Um, anyway, what I liked about this was the shot selection of this scene. Um. You got to be able to jump in anytime. This is exposition. So this is just one. Per- this is very static. Two coaches facing one way, other team facing another way. But what they do as a trick to give you a little kinetic momentum is they dolly left across the front of the guys to show them listening. So you are trying to keep people's attention. And what you do is you give a little action with your camera movement to sort of make it a little more more kinetic and, and not, not as static. Um Ted says, that's why we got our man Beard replacing Will today is our kit man. And then we he steps aside <laughs> behind Roy. Roy turns. And what do we see here, boss? This is unbelievable. Oh, Beard back by the table. He tosses a water bottle into the air, sort of like he's uh, juggling it. Like it, he's supposed to be catching it, but he can't. Um, and then they... 
in, once he catches it, he stands like, ah, I've done it. I've really gotten it done. He puts his hands on his hips. I, I've mastered this water bottle. I am Will the Kit Man, and this water bottle is mine. Yeah, well, he almost catches it. Yeah, yeah right. Except it, yeah. like, he fucks it up, and it falls and knocks a bunch of shit over. And then he does, like, the, yeah, the that hands-on-hips thing that we've seen Will do. And you just go, oh, my God, like, what? And I, he did a thing where his knees were together, which I was like, oh, that's such a Will stance. I'm like, God, that is great. That's great physical comedy right there. I feel, yes. and this is going to be a funny thing to say, but I feel like Will's hips deserve their own credit. Like, I feel like when they did the, <laughs> when they did the bye, bye, bye dance and he turned on the music and he started swaying his hips. I thought that was like the height of comedy. And, you know, the, he just has a way of moving that I would not describe as manly, certainly, but it's, it's not, yeah, it's very, it's just, Generally, the average guy, I would think of like how they move. I wouldn't be so aware of how their hips move. And Will's hips are always part of what he's pulling off physically. It's, it's really Yeah, but let's also, let's also decide in general who gives a shit what the definition of quote unquote manly is. Right. And let's, you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, let's yeah. just say what, yes, his, you know, what? So he's not a stiff. <laughs> He's right, not stiff. Right. That boy's got oily hips. Yeah, I mean, it's, it, it's really nice. I always, I always get people give me side eye because one of the things I notice about when I'm evaluating athletes is I always look at the oiliness of their hips and I comment on it. And then guys, <laughs> you know, ogres will look at me and be like, what the hell? What's he saying? I'm like, mm, look at the hips on that boy. Man, he get, those are some slick joints. And they're like, what are you? Are you okay? And I'm like, yeah, no, because it's such a nice you get dancers' hips as an athlete, boy. That is that is something that let, that opens up all kind. Uh, baseball players pop their hips when they swing, and football players get skinny through the hole. And mm-hmm. tennis, all your all your lower body, you want to transfer your lower body power into your swing. I mean, it's like you have good hips as an athlete. That goes a long, long way. Um, anyway, I thought it was really great physical comedy from from uh, uh, Brendan Hunt. Um, then we do back to the dolly shot across the front and then two shot of, of Ted and Roy. And this is interesting because the movement kind of mimics Ted's eye line as he's kind of scanning his team. We don't get a ton of subjective camera, but this one, you do get that sense because he's not in frame. So you're like, okay, is this him just kind of looking down across the team? Um, so Ted says, when we get out here and we scrimmage, y'all are going to be swapping positions with someone else. Yeah. And, we see Danny and Isaac standing next to each other. And Ted says, uh, for example, you know, Isaac, we're going to move you up to forward. And Danny, we're going to drop you back to defense. Got it? And Isaac says, what, boss? I'm going to be Danny Rojas. Yeah. And Ted says, yeah, that, that's right, Isaac. And, and Danny's going to be you. Make sense? And Danny says, what, coach? We're going to fuck him up, bro. Which was delicious, <laughs> just delicious. <laughs> I laughed so hard; it was so great. And Isaac crosses himself and says, "Ay, Dios míos!" Um, and Ted says, "You y'all don't need to do the voices." And the whole team, right? He has taught them to play. This is That's a it. sandbox. Mm-hmm. That's it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Remember how crazy when he first got out there? Like, oh, Ronald fucking McDonald. I didn't right. know anything. Like, you're a right. joke, bro. Right? And and. The whole team now wants to play, and they go, "Oh, come on!" He go, "Okay, you're, all right, you can all do, you can do all, all, all can do the voices," and then they all react again, completely the opposite, like, "Yeah, all right, woo!" And I was like, "Wow, this is a 
how far this team has come. It's just, just I, stunning. I mean, they're, they're, they're past the pillow fight. You know what I'm saying? Like when he announced, the, yes. once we have a pillow fight, we'll never watch another movie again. And once we have the pillow fight, just playing each other's positions without the voices like Neanderthals. Like it just, they're past the pillow yes. fight. Yes. It's uh, it, one of my favorite things is always watching baseball players in the dugout, just kind of hanging out and goofing around. And because like these are professional athletes, of these course. are big, powerful men who hit things and throw things and run for a living. And when you see them, they're like teenage boys, like goofing around, like not not the weird uh, gross stuff that teenage boys do, but like they're little kids. And it's hilarious to watch them. Totally agree. The home run celebrations, I feel like, is a whole yes. element of baseball's developed. When I was a kid, I watched a lot of baseball. And of all the things that have changed in baseball that make me want to throw something at the wall, these elaborate home run celebrations where people get pushed in wheelbarrows and it's insane. And I, I agree. I love it. I just love yep. it. Wow. I got to watch more baseball. I think uh, th- that is not, yeah, I haven't seen that. That's, that's amazing. The, the closest thing I saw was the home run competition, like maybe a year, two years ago. And I think I mentioned it to you. I wrote about it. I think I put it in an article because I liked it so much. They would do the, they were announcing the, the contestants for the home run competition for Major League Baseball. And these guys, uh, they'd say the name and then they would walk up. And these guys all knew each other. They all vacation at this, all different teams, you know, but they all know each other. Um, and, you know, some of them grew up together. It's like, it would be like, you know, them calling, Oh, here, here comes boss. And then coach and I are on the stands and we have to like, welcome you but they're friends so they kept like sometimes they made fun of each other's walk it was just they were playful they were just joking around (laughs) and then there was a there was a fire effect on stage like right behind they had this uh these huge fire shooting cannons behind the stage and one of the guys was clearly unbelievably afraid of fire and every time it went off he would jump and then all the other guys were became more aware of it and they would jump and I'll put, I'll find it and put a link in the um, description. Cause it was great. Uh, it, you know, there is this thing about being a professional athlete insulates you from a lot of the elements, uh, you know, the, the touchstones or the milestones of modern adulthood. And so you have this prolo- prolonged adolescence where you're just, your whole thing is playing a game. And most of the time, the people that insulate you from the world want you to be focused on only the game and not all of the other things. And so the combination of these two things uh, sort of give you this, this you know, extended adolescence. Um, and, and we get to see that a lot with uh, AFC Richmond. Uh, Ted sends Roy into the group. You go here, you go ahead, Roy, help him out here. Um, and he starts handing out uh, paper. There's a steady cam shot rising from behind Ted. There's, um, uh, Ted saying Roy's going to be hanging out paper. Roy's going to be handing out paper uh, that's got some someone's name on it, and that's the name of the person you're going to do the old swaparoo with. And Ted asks if everybody understands. They all say yes, Coach. All right, good, Coach. I miss anything? And we pivot right down to we know Beard is now Will juggling water bottles and dropping them. So who is who who is Beard, boss? It's Will. Will with a taped on beard. And Ted says, all right, coach, uh, I I miss anything. And Will goes, that's it, baby. Let's go. And shouts in pitch perfect beard. 
I mean, that was, that's so good. <laughs> it, it, yes. I have to say, like, I know that there has been a little bit of iffiness on a lot of the plots. I will say scenes like this are when you know that they are still writing their asses off and coming up with a really hilarious shit. Yeah, I thought I thought that was great. I also thought it spoke. There's a love when you tease someone the right way that you can yes, communicate. Absolutely. And I love that I know in my heart Will laughed on some whether it was inside or not when Beard did his thing. And I know that on some level Beard heard that let's go and and also laughed. It's it's when you're it's the spirit behind it. And it's the whole idea of like, we roast the ones we love. And I think a lot yes. of people fuck up who are comedians because they pretend like, oh, that means you can just tell mean jokes about anybody. And I'm like, yeah, but you don't love them. And we can tell. Yes. Yeah, no, that's all. It, it, it is weirdly being able to roast a close friend is a sign of intimacy. Right. Because you know exactly what they feel okay being teased about. You can't be like, oh, man. Uh, well, you've got beautiful hair. Like, that's not a roast. You right. could tease these tiny little foibles that they have. You know that they feel comfortable with them and that they know that you love them so much that you don't care that they fell asleep on the couch at 10.30 mm-hmm. and came over to hang out because mm-hmm. they're old and they have two kids and that's what they do. Mm-hmm. Like, it's fine. You still love them. Right. You, but you're going to roast you them. Give them some shit. Yeah. Um, I like to call out when the show does something great. And technically, this is fantastic because on a lesser show, this wouldn't work. You know, somebody pitched this in the writer's room and someone's like, oh, yeah, that's a great. What if we how are we going to do beards? How are we going to do beards beard? Will doesn't have a beard. Like, what if we just like tapes a beard on and like, that's going to look like shit. Like, no, no, no. I have an idea of how we're going to do this. And they talk to the they talk to the wardrobe department and they say, like, uh, you know, OK, let's. You guys, can you make a beard? Out of, you know, it's it's fun across the board. But they 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 use a couple of tricks here that you wouldn't necessarily focus on. Like for the for the beard reveal, Roy steps aside, and we see that Beard was there the whole time as Will. That is uh, reminiscent of Ted in the elevator. He steps aside, and Nate is facing the corner. Yes, this is a tool they've used before. Um, with the uh, the Will as Beard reveal, it's a pivot camera pivot. Where it's Ted in, single in frame, and then they just they just pivot right, and you see right next to him the whole time. Will has been standing there as Beard, and these are these are tough to pull off. And I feel like they made the right choice across the board. At, you know, when they laid out this joke. Well, what I liked about the moving a little bit and finding out that Will is there as Beard the whole time is how much it echoed season one, episode nine, when they panned, and instead of Beard being right next to Coach. Beard is all the way down the field. When Beard and Nate have decided uh, yes. they want to talk. Yes. Yes. Yeah. That was so, great. Good call. Wow. That's a deep pull. That's what I do. So, yeah, that's it, baby. Let's go. So, all right, let's do it. You heard him. Ted says he blows the whistle. Sam uh, switching with Jan Moss. Jamie is Jamie. Bumper catch gets Van Dam. Uh, here we go, boys. Here we go. Ted says the boys start to kind of figure out their places. Uh, Trent is nods appreciatively at the move. You know, he's like, okay, I think he likes these types of choices and makes for good fodder for his book. Um, uh, Beard hands Ted uh, a cup of something. And Beard says, uh, there you go, coach. And Ted says, oh, thank you, coach. Now, Jamie uh, walks into frame 
with Beard and Ted. And he says, hey, coach, uh, there's been a mistake. Uh, I got me. And Ted says, oh, no, Jamie, that's not a mistake. We just figured you want to keep doing what you do best for us, playing striker and scoring goals, right? And it does feel like the Zava treatment a little. It does feel like he is not necessarily that they value him in the same way, but they are making an exception. And Jamie has learned by this point that he doesn't like the exception. What he craves is um, belonging. Mm. He wants to be part of the team. He doesn't mm. want to make himself outside. So he doesn't – there's a natural thing that happens with Jamie that he wants to protest because he doesn't – but he also has learned respect for his coaches. <laughs> so he's a little torn in this moment. Uh, and you can see that he's reluctant to do it the way they ask. As we're going to come to find out, it's because he knows the lasso away and he knows total football better than anybody. Uh, he's been holding center through on the lasso away the entire Zava period. He's He has been advancing while everybody else has been standing still, except possibly Roy, who we noticed, noticed all the Jamie things. He was in on that a little bit with Jamie throughout the Zava period. Um, but Jamie in this scene wants to be a good teammate. And so he, okay, all right, coach. Yeah, if you want, yeah. I did wonder a little bit if how much of this was tied to what he perceives to be his own growth in that in the first season, he was shouting me, 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 me. And now I think he might be worried about a little bit of a backslide. If he puts himself in too much of the star position without building up to it. I I, I love that. Great point. Great point. Yeah. 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 No, that's, that's powerful. Like he, him knowing himself, like I'm doing my best here. Like, don't yeah. don't you know, if I if I'm an alcoholic like maybe we don't meet in a bar yes. right yeah yeah a, a little bit like I I feel like you know there's a lot going on with addiction and everything else but anytime that you're trying to improve yourself if you backslide yeah. you can undo everything you've done yeah. so I like that he knew not to put himself in that position yeah no he's come a long way and we're going to talk specifically about that dynamic later in the in this in the um uh, as we go over this episode Jamie says okay. If you want, yeah, Ted says, great. Now, um, Beard slaps a water bottle across Jamie's chest. Jamie says, okay, gives a weird look and leaves. Ted says, have fun out there. And Jamie says, yep. Now, Ted takes a sip from the cup, and he says, uh, this is yummy. What is this? Boss, what does Beard say? Water. Mm. I didn't buy it, but okay, if you say so. Um, now, Go ahead, boss. Just that I like that that's the only, this is as much as Beard could get on board with being Will. Will would have pineapple and something else. And Beard's like, no, we can have water. I will get, I will be Will, but I will get you water. (laughs) I'll be Will, but I'm not mixing anything, you know, and, and we'll find out what the appropriate places to sit are as part of this pantomime later on. Um, (laughs) So uh, we get, we get a a little shot of um, of Van Damme playing, it's fun to see him in the field for the first time. Uh, he has swapped places with Bumber Catch. He he's a big boy, and he's he's a streaky boy too. He's got long, like he's got an Eddie George kind of gait, upright runner. Um, it, that was a pleasure. And so he t- he whacks a shot at the goal, just uh, blasts it in there, and, and Mo Bumber Catch uh, swats it away, and and they're having a genuinely good time. It is fun to switch it up. This this feels like. Um, uh, I don't want to get too too deep in the weeds, but sometimes when I'm directing, I will use tricks like this to like, okay, yeah, oh, you think Shake you're so good? Up. All right, sh- she's gonna play you now. 
or whatever. You know, right, like, oh, right. oh, shit. Uh, sometimes I'll turn off the lights. Sometimes I'm like, okay, you can only speak mm-hmm. in a certain way. Like, if we're rehearsing and we're getting into this thing, you want to build that flexibility, especially mm-hmm. if um, adjustment is part of the, the concept. I, I, I think... <sighs> Also, there's fun in watching them have fun not being as good as the person who's been doing this the whole time. I thought there was like, yes, Bumbercatch swats it away, but he, <laughs> no one, no one would watch that and think, oh, he must be one of the great goalkeepers. Of I mean, it was not great, and and but he was able to swat it away because the kick wasn't all that much better than his swatting, and that they're being good at the other job right away isn't the point and that they can appreciate going out there and having fun. It feels now that I've said that I didn't think about this in advance, but it feels like an extension of Roy taking Isaac to the, to that field and saying, now go back out there and have fucking fun. Right. I mean, like that's what this is to me. Yes. Go have fun before you had to be goalie all day, every day. And you just used to go down to some field and kick the ball with your friends. Act like that. The the my great regret is that the editing department had to get involved in this scene, and somebody uh, somewhere was like, "We need to keep this under two hours because I felt like we missed a bunch of oppor- opportunities here." To like, no one said, "Can I switch with Roy?" Or like, or or someone was like, "Fuck!" and said, "Well, you didn't switch with Roy. You're not." Oh, sorry. Like, the, right? No one, no one said like there wasn't a break in the action. Like, like Bumber Catch um, didn't swat that away. Who did we say? We said that um, Jan Ma switched with Sam. We didn't say we didn't say swat away and Sam go. Uh, statistically, actually, the uh, the likelihood of you yes. swatting that was, yes. there's no. We didn't get any more of the guys playing other guys, and I was like, "Oh God, this is like." This is free money right there. Fun. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, I like, so the I like thing yeah. That, they left that on the table, unfortunately. Too bad. Uh, just occurred to me now, in addition to Jamie, they said, Jamie, you're just going to keep doing the attacking and scoring for us. Could they not switch him with anybody because the only person good enough to switch with is Roy and Roy isn't playing anymore? Like, is there anybody else on the team that is at the level of a Roy or a Jamie now that Zava's gone? That's interesting. I hadn't thought about it that I way, mean, and I am ch- now Danny processing Rojas it. is an ace. That's true. He is an ace. And Sam, but they're not quite at the same level yet. They don't have the same reputation yet. Right, right. Yeah. Well, nor does Jamie, I don't think, at this point. I don't think Jamie is being thought of league-wide as Zava. I think Jamie still okay. league-wide would be thought of as at this point. And and let's make sure we remember exactly where when this is. This is still... They haven't figured out the total football yet. They have, yes. right? Like, I think league wise, he's still the jackass that, that pissed his way out of, off of Pep's team, joined a reality thing, and is a little bit of a sideshow joke and hasn't scored this season. Also, I mean, I guess, and built off of that, I think though, because when you first said it, boss, I thought you meant in our Richmond world. And I think there's significance to the fact that he could be viewed that way within our world, even within the context of a greater world where he's not viewed that way. So I think that matters. Yeah, I don't think it does. (laughs) 
Okay. So <laughs> I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, we cut to PB and J in the stands, Paul, Baz, and Jeremy. Um, and Baz yells, what, boss? Nice try, Van Dam. You tried your best, and we love you. To which Jeremy says, Baz, what are you doing? I switched with Paul. You know, unwavering positivity. And then what does he say? Nice job with the water bottles, Coach Beard. Right, and Beard tosses a bottle over his shoulder, like a total staged, you know, you're like, oh, this is so painful. It's like a TikTok video where you're like, I know you did this 300 times. Um, uh, it is, uh, it, what happens here, boss? He tosses it over his shoulder and Trent grabs it out of the air and Beard does a little fist pump without turning around, just assuming Trent has his back. And someone wrote a note here in the show doc, and I don't know the... Is that you, boss? I don't know the origin of that. I don't know what that means. That that was me. It's one of the only uh, non-White Sox clips that I've known recently. Um, and we could put it in the show notes maybe, but uh, there was a Mets player who – somebody – the other team was up at bat, and he swings, and the bat gets away from him. And the p- camera just pans a tiny little bit. A guy standing up on the railing watching the game, one of the players, snatches the bat out of the air and just tosses it back out onto the field. I'm going to tweet it in case anybody wants to follow up. Oh, my up. God. It's the, the most badass shit I've ever seen, and I love it. I am such a sucker for, like, good reaction. I think I've told you this before. Have I ever met, I've mentioned – you know what I was going to say, Coach? Oh, I, I yeah. Anytime someone – like, I'm the per- – so, first of all, if I see you make a move – like, that's that sounds unbelievable. So, it looks like Boss is already, like, teeing it up into her Twitter right now. Yes, she's nodding. So, everybody can look at Boss's Twitter, uh, Dumbly Chambers – Dumbly underscore Chambers, right? Uh, Correct. Yeah. And um, so, she'll have that clip there. Uh, anytime someone makes a save – of any kind. I was in I was in a the line at a shoe store buying shoes for the kids the other day and a woman like almost bobbled her phone and then her purse and she like saved it all. <laughs> you know, and I was like, "Yes!" Like just a total stranger. I'm like, "That was a great save," you know? Um and my best one was um uh I I was making pancakes. And I don't know I don't know what I don't remember what the origin of it. I was making pancakes. So there's one pancake in a pan. And the, um, I think I must have, I don't know what happened. My elbow came down and popped the pan into the air. Okay. So popped a hot, like really hot pan, like a copper pan into the air. And it is flipping up into the air. Okay. And with my left hand, I'm a righty. With my left hand, I timed the the handle. I caught the pan and then pulled the (laughs) pancake out of the air. And then went, oh, oh, like, like just looking like nobody saw it. No. And I was like, that is the highlight of my life. That was the, it will uh, never be better yeah. than moment. what just that's happened. Right. Yeah. yeah but no, anyway, that's, I love it. I love a good save. That's amazing. I, I do need to mention uh, way back in the day, the family and I went to Six Flags Great America, the amusement park with the rides and everything. My younger brother forgot to take off his baseball cap and I was two or three rows behind him on iron wolf, maybe one of the big roller coasters. And as we go around it, or one of the curves, his hat goes flying off and I reached up and snatched it out of the air 
and shoved it down into my chair and then gave oh, it to him when we got off. That is sick. <laughs> On a roller. You're going like 70 miles an hour. I was really proud of myself. Oh my God. That's like Mr. Miyagi shit. I have wow. the worst. If I, if I think about doing something coordinated, I can't. But for whatever reason, if, if it's a fly that I need to grab or a hat, I can do it. All right, fellas. Throw this one on the pile. Bring in the next love meter. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry. I thought I was on mute. I'm sorry. Sorry. So I, so maybe the reason they left so many jokes, and you know, I said like, oh, we don't get someone being Roy. We don't get so- no one was Ted. I mean, can you imagine like who would That's be the funniest person there. to be Ted? I, Roy right? and Ted Re- 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 Rebecca funny. being Ted Rebecca or something. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't know. Higgins. Who, who knows? But but one of the reasons they may have done it is they may have felt like it may have. Uh, to them, the writing staff or the production department may have felt like a double beat, considering they were going to have Paul, Baz, and Jeremy do it. So, like, okay, which joke? We could no, we they could have shot those things and decided, ah, oh, this is actually funnier, right? So, um, also though, I'd say that PB and J doing it, you get in, you get out, and when you're looking at a running time of you know 98 minutes on your uh, used to be 30 minute show, you might go, all right, we'll go with that one. Yeah, I will say that of all the combinations, I'm very glad that they did go with this one because it was hilarious. I loved it. I really loved it. Um, and and so we got the line from Baz being supportive like Paul. And so Paul then naturally is going to be uh, Bazish. And what does that look like, Coach? What is uh, what does Paul say? You fucking twats. Which is not a word I use. So I'm, I'm I'm I was that was as Paul. <laughs> You fucking <laughs> that's, that's twat! Right. And then, uh, and then I love it. He, there's a beat, and I and actually my reaction is similar to his reaction because he goes, "I don't like it. I actually prefer to be me." I again hit the sounder. Hit the sounder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, yeah. I love Paul. I know. God it, it damn is, it! I love his character. Oh God, he just kills it every single time. I actually yeah. prefer to be me. Paul, I'm like, I don't is- think you know how psychologically healthy that is. A hundred percent. <laughs> yes, boss. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent what you just said because there are levels to it. One is we're doing a thing and we're the Ted. Now it's the Ted Lasso universe. Suddenly this thing that's supposed to be a strategy on the field is also the coaches and the kit man. And now it's fans. Fans are doing it. Right. And then yes. not only that, but that he does try it. He's curious not judgmental. Mm-hmm. He also says, you know, I tried it your way and that's horrible. You should come to it my way. He says, I don't like it. I actually prefer to be me. Doesn't make being me better. It's just what yeah, I prefer. It's just his preference. Mm-hmm. I loved it. Yeah. He doesn't say, why Why are you like that? Now that I've tried it, it's terrible. He's just like, no, no. I, for me, I like this is my big thing with uh, God. We, we won't get into this, but it's what I always say. How religion has changed over the years is once upon a time it would say like, "Oh, hey, would you like to have this? Um, uh, whatever it is, would you like to share a um, uh, marijuana cigarette with me?" <laughs> right? You say like, "Oh, uh, you say, um, oh, uh, sorry, that's against my religion, so I can't do it." And now it's like, oh, hey, would you like to do blah, 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 whatever. I'm making up anything. Would you like to do this with me? People go, oh, no, that's my against my religion. So you can't do it. I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yes. Yeah, yes, that yes, is yes. a colossal difference. Yeah. Right? And you just go, oh, no, that's that's like, uh, it's crazy. So I like this this choice of Paul gave it a whirl as Baz. Paul being Baz is, I mean, 
two completely different uh, like emotional profiles. Um, uh, you think about Paul right from the very beginning. What was the first thing he ever said? It was like something so out of oh god. Well, he giggled. Like he giggled at 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 Ted's press conference when everybody else was like just ready to rip the place apart. Right. And was he like, I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. Something like yes. uh, something. Yes. Yeah. Or I, I find him very enjoyable. I forget what it was, but yeah, Paul has been from, from the get go. He has been a, a, uh, a ray of sunshine. And I'm trying to remember the terrible pun, uh, that Ted said with sass. More like a disarray a of sunshine coach. There it is. That's it. Yep. Thank you very much. Um, excellent Paul. So um, I've heard it be me. Now we see Jamie chips the ball out of bounds up into Danny's hands. Uh, oh, sorry, the ball is out of bounds, and Jamie just chips it right up uh, into Danny's hands. Whistle blows. Uh, as Danny is about to take a corner kick, Ted says, whoa, 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 hold up, hold up, Danny. Come on now, you're a center back. Remember that? Your job taking corners? That's what Isaac does now. And Danny sets the ball up by the flag. He jogs off. Right, right, coach. Ted says, Isaac, come on, man, you're up. And all right, Isaac, let's go. Uh, and so Isaac runs up to Ted. Does somebody say you've got this, bruv? I miss. I'm looking at the show notes. Who says this? It's like from the crowd. I don't know that I had it yeah. from like you know. Okay. All right. Good. I'm just looking at the show notes that are pull these these notes. We pull them from the closed captions of the episode. So sometimes if I don't go through and label them or or one of the other uh, hosts labels them sometimes it's a little confusing so because bruv seems like an isaac word so i'm like oh somebody one of the other players kind of mm, danny rojas so yeah that makes yeah, sense like, that makes sense yes. so isaac says i love when isaac is vulnerable because he's such a beefsteak you know it's really kind of adorable uh coach i ain't never taken a corner before and he says no i know that's because you were put into a box isaac as, as a 10 year old little boy with the strength and facial hair of a grown man that's so funny <laughs> Oh God! It's Rodan so and funny. cleats. It's back to that. Yes, yes. I love it. Uh, the box of a uh, of a center back who was never allowed to take a corner kick. Well, my friend, that box ceases to exist today. I I, I call your attention back to the fact that this episode was up until about two days before it aired, going to be called boxes. That's so fascinating. Isaac said, "It says, yeah, go on." And Isaac says, "What do you want me to do?" just got a really concerned look on his face. Like he's forgotten the just have some fucking fun. Right. He's right. forgotten that because he's, he's back in like flight or fight, uh, f- uh, fight or flight or freeze mode. And um, he, he's just very, looks very nervous. He says, I don't know, just kick the hell out of it. And Isaac has this, he gets this huge smile on his face. <laughs> like, you know what I can do? I can kick the hell out of things. Like, I am a professional soccer player. That I can do. Uh, I, it doesn't, he doesn't say aim it. He doesn't say bend it in. He doesn't say anything. He doesn't say put it on Richard's head so he can head it. No, kick the hell out of it. That is something Isaac can do. Um, now, Ted stands aside. He does not stand anywhere near the front of the kick because he has learned from the episode that is where correct. Danny kicked him in the ass right after. <laughs> after. Yeah. <laughs> Goodbye, Earl. Yep. That's yep. right. And Isaac clobbers it. He hammers this kick. And we get um, what is the reveal shot after that, coach? 
So we got uh, Higgins uh, in a suite or whatever. We see him sipping his tea and, and sitting there peacefully. And you see the ball emerge in the sky behind him. And between the emergence of the visual and the sound that they create for the kick, you know where this is headed. Um, and it's just like we've talked other times where they just tell the joke. This was them just going, we are just going to do this joke. We're doing this. Yes. I, I enjoyed it. I thought it was really funny. So the ball careens into the window behind Higgins and cracks it. Higgins is sh- he's stunned. Right as he's taking a step, bang! He spills the, 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 the tea all over himself. And listen, we talk about Jeremy Swift, man. He has some of the worst fucking lines on the show. <laughs> they They sometimes, like if I was Jeremy Swift, I would just walk into the writer's room and just stare at everybody. I would just take a second and be like, are you again? Because here's the line he has to say. Ow, ow, hot tea, ow. He has to tell us what for we the just people saw. that don't know. Yeah. 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 I'm like, that is the worst line ever written. And he kills it. Kills it. Yes. You just go, oh, I, my it, God. And listen, I understand why a lot of people would say there's no chance in hell that he would say, ow, ow, hot tea, ow. That that's an unreasonable line. Right. To which I will say, uh, I don't know how many years ago, let's say a decade and a half. Uh, the boyfriend had his buddies over at his place to play cards and they ended up staying up literally all night, like up all night playing cards and drinking and being early 20s guys. So at nine o'clock the next morning, I go over to his house and he says, oh, you're here. Okay, great. Let's go to McDonald's. And I was like, sure, let's go to McDonald's. And he ordered everything on the menu. And I'm only joking about that a little bit. He ordered like uh, two entire sacks of breakfast food, 14 hash browns and however many sandwiches and whatever else. And we go back to his place and one of his buddies, uh, our friend Austin, had fallen asleep on the couch. And so the boyfriend just comes around the corner and whips a sausage muffin at his head. And the package comes off and the McMuffin falls apart. And Austin, half asleep, shouts, ah, warm breakfast sandwich. Literally said out loud, ah, warm breakfast sandwich. And then 30 seconds later came around the corner with a reassembled sausage McMuffin that he was eating. So every once in a while it does happen. I I, I, de- I love, that was fantastic. <laughs> I don't know, I don't know this That's guy, fantastic. but the versatility of that moment, you know, was is the like, greatest, ah, warm breakfast sandwich, ah, warm breakfast sandwich. And then just ate it. It's fin- phenomenal. I love it. I love it. Um, uh, so we we have uh, the only thing, you know, my only complaint, minor, minor complaint, not about Austin eating warm breakfast sandwiches, but about um, about this shot is we never get the wide establishing shot, which is like a kind of a must have to establish the distance it travels and the thing. It, it, yeah, I know. Coaches think I'm nitpicking, but like no, no, if you're I setting you. this up, the text, but you really want that one shot to show, okay, what actually – and it's fine. They cheated it a little bit, and it ended up working. The key element was, can Jeremy Swift pull off the humor of the thing? I, I've never – I don't know if a soccer ball can break glass. But, I, um, I bought it just because they made such a clear deal of how hard he kicked yeah. it. So, like, if you show yeah. me somebody kicking a pillow that hard, I still think it could do some da- – I mean, he kicked the shit out of that ball. But I hear you that, like, would that glass be some shatterproof, blah, blah, blah. I don't know, but – 
Yeah. I I wondered if this is going to come back. So we we if this was an establish, we use it as a joke, and we say, "Oh, this is fun way to get out of the scene." But is this a thing to say, like, "Okay, the final minutes, um, you know, can't it, does Isaac have the skill set to kick this ball the distance? Like he they've got a goal kick or something, like put it in front of their mm-hmm. net, go up and kick the hell out of it. I don't know, I don't know, because it's sort of a superpower to kick the ball that hard. Um, I will say, um. The great Pele, uh, widely considered the greatest soccer player of all time. I remember him going down, faking a guy out, and shanking a kick. So he came around with his leg. Uh, oh God, he's so beautiful. Oh my God, this player, uh, especially as a little kid growing up, he just like you just draw drops. But he was kicked so hard that he shanked the ball and kicked it out of the stadium. Like over the top of the stadium. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> yes, Whoa. you're just like, oh, wait. So for those of you thinking, no, people can't kick that hard. No, no, no. Yes, they can, especially if they're that level. You wouldn't believe how hard these guys can kick. It, it is stunning. Um, but yeah, I thought that was a little, little, uh, uh sort of wink for, for that type of player. Can I, can I be mean to you for one second? It's very quick, but one second. I did not know who Pele was before I started watching the TV show Archer. And on one episode, Archer refers to a woman as, quote, the Pele of anal. So then I needed to go and look up Pele and who Pele is (laughs) and why that would be a compliment, but also crude as hell. So... So so that's how I learned about Pele. I I love that you know that using the phrase... Pele of anal is actually be like you would think of that as being mean to the coach because he's dying right now. The other thing I is knew. I've been thinking about my next um, Biggie's pissed off uh, for some reason. Yeah, I was just gonna say Biggie and I do not like he's, it. He's, do not like he's, you, that's 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 called feedback, boss. That's called feedback. Oh. Anyway, but go. That's great. The Pele of anal. Head, head nod to Archer that had some. I mean, if if you're in inappropriate, there's a show for you. Yes, yes, absolutely. Uh, so uh, Beard does make a look at Trent, or who's like, man, that boy can kick. Um, and Beard like does a little reaction shot of him gauging the distance, and, and even even uh, Paul Baz and Jeremy are surprised that it got that far. And Baz says the Bob Euchre line from Major League. Coach, what does he say? Just a bit outside. I, I, ah, okay. I love all the references, but I feel like when Ted beatboxes, I buy that that guy, that age, would know. Bismarcky, even if that seems a little out of like the absolute normal path you'd expect him to be on. Because we've already established a fair amount of the gap, you know, our, you know, our English don't drive with y'all's kind of stuff. I just went, would Paz make a major league reference? I feel like that was the show putting a major league reference in Baz's mouth. That That's fair. It was funny enough that I didn't mind it, but yeah. that is a uh, yeah, a fair observation. I, yeah, no, I got the joke, and I was like, yeah, no, that works. But yeah, it was like, really? Baz makes a major league? He feels, he feels young. He feels not, a, to, you know, wouldn't be a baseball fan. I don't know. It just didn't, that 
Felt weird. Uh, as a person who has written jokes for movies, uh, which now are getting second lives as memes independent of the film. So words I wrote that I saw people laugh at in the movie theater, and then it becomes something like, and it, and it just becomes something else. Like just a bit outside. I don't know for a fact that isn't a meme. I don't know that, that it doesn't have its own That's a great life. point. I'm always, I'm always yep. blown away by yep. the things that Gen Z has turned into memes. And, and so, yeah, it could be, it could have its own, uh, reference point, but also coach, like you just seem like, you know, very, a very unhappy person to always be critiquing the show. <laughs> this is semi random, but off the point you just made, there is a great gif. Go out there and use it. People of Smokey Robinson singing. I second that emotion. So it's just the gif of, I second that emotion. And every once in a while, someone says something, whether by text or or on social media that I'm like spot on. And I will use that. And it always gets huge reaction. And speaking of not of your time period, I mean, that original film, I wasn't even a a, a glint in the eye, as they say. So yeah, I think that's a, I think that's a good point that, that that could live on that way. So we basically get a final reaction shot from uh, Ted. Uh, he's standing next to Isaac and he just glances down at Isaac's leg like, what the hell just happened? So that's a lot of reactions about the shot to not have it come up later, but maybe maybe it won't. Um, Sam gets a text. Uh, we, we cut to uh, Sam in the locker room getting a text from Simi. And it's a link to a tweet from the absolutely uh, priceless uh, Brenda Burrow, uh, she of Britain is closed fame. Um, and what does it say, boss? Footballers should leave politics to us and just shut up and dribble, which is almost verbatim what uh, Laura Ingraham said about LeBron James, I want to say like 2015, 2016. Obviously, he took her up on that advice, listened to her. He did not. He then actually did a series of document the documentaries and had people, uh, the barbershop, I think is what he calls it, or... I don't watch it to my brain. You have the idea of it, right? I don't watch it regularly, so it's not coming to me. But but yes. Yeah, no. Where He he was told to shut up and dribble. So now instead what he's going to do is have people on a show to talk about social issues and politics and where people come from and why that's important. So great job, Laura Ingraham. He is a goddamn delight. And I am a huge fan, even though I'm not a a huge basketball fan. I just like him. Yeah, well, yeah, I will not drag us down this road, but uh, Coach knows I love LeBron, and I think that LeBron haters have chosen to miss, like, one of the great things that's ever happened in American sports. We'll talk about that that, that some other day. Um, but I think it's important to – I have a, a – and I think it's going to matter here. I feel like – and it would, on some level, even be maybe represented by Rupert on some level in this show. I'm always amazed – the 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 bigots of our world and that's judgment but it is a judgment i have come to with certain people they i have a thing that they always take shit too far right so like all all rosa parks at all were saying was if a seat's fucking empty yeah i want to sit in it they weren't saying desegregate the south they weren't saying, hey, where the fuck are my reparations? Why am yeah, I going to work in first place? No, 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 no. But that's how it starts. You let people sit where they want, then it's just chaos. It just explodes. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I, I'm sorry to be the voice of reason here. Um, 
I people love it. sitting where they want. Dogs and cats <laughs> making love. That's right. That's right. Yes. <sighs> and so, and I'm always blown away because invariably, as you point out, boss, if you had just not said anything at all to uh, LeBron, Ms. Ingram, um, he would have made his comment. We all would have noted his comment. We would have moved on. You telling him to shut up made him go, oh, yeah, I forgot. I'm a billionaire. Yes. And I was like, yeah. uh, how you feel about it now, Laura? Yeah. And also, he's like a charming and charismatic billionaire right. who has good opinions on most stuff. Right. I'm not going to say everything because yeah, I, I haven't yeah. checked he's, everything. Right. I hear But you. I like him. Yeah. So, I like him. Yeah. And I, I really like his um, grabbing his bag and walking out of the press conference gift. That gift a, is a treasure. Oof. A treasure. <laughs> I love it so much. <laughs> You would love that. Yeah, that feels like a very you, like we're done here kind of mo- moment. Um, yeah, so uh, Sam uh, responds to Simi with three uh, thumbs down emojis. Simi responds with more like, and then she gives three middle fingers emojis to which Sam laughs. Um, and now Trent enters Ted's office. And he says, Ted, I just want to make sure I have this right. You're going to change tactics at this stage in the season and replace it with a totally new method that the boys are clearly struggling to understand. And you think this is a good idea. And Ted says, "Mm, well, Trent, the way I see it, it's kind of like taking a hike with Robert Frost. It could go either way, huh? And we quoted... We quoted Robert Frost when we were talking about... Remember, we did that before Ted Lasso did. We skated to where the puck was going. You you say we. It was actually entirely me. I'm the one that came up with all the... I, I didn't. It was you. I know it was you. You talked about it. You brought up the point. Coach. Coach Castleton, it was all me. you. I'm like, wait, was it? This is how... This is how... <laughs> You don't you don't realize how ADHD is so is so powerful. You just have no idea. Like I I, I opened my eyes. I'm like, oh wait, was it? Shoot, did I just take credit for bosses? No, okay. No, that was me being an asshole again. There you go. Um, I, oh God, I, I I thought you know we, I, after pointing out several things that we didn't think uh, worked so great. This and this just hit me when you were going through it. This moment mirrors the opening press conference. I have a question. Do you mean to tell me that you are this yes. and you ain't never did shit and you over here and they put you in charge? Yeah, I have a question. Is this a fucking joke? But now Trent knows it's not a fucking joke. It may seem crazy. It may seem unorthodox, but we are talking to Ted Lasso. So we, sh- we should not take it as a joke. And I think that is a, a step forward in their relationship. Thank you, Coach. You just completely stole my thunder for the last part of this episode. Did I really? No, no, really. That's totally no, 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 no. I'm totally oh, kidding. Okay. No, no, I, I made, like, I oh, made no. that. No, no, no. I, no, no. I made that exact same point later on in the show doc. You'll see exactly mm. right. That was the, the entree for Trent is is dubious questioning. Like, is it like? Are you like? Do you know what offsides is? Like, do you, like you know, just like, mm-hmm. uh, come on, man. Like, is this a is this a fucking joke? Like. Are you putting us on, Charlie? Right. Um, right. And and he's come a long way uh, from there. So, uh, yeah, it could go either way. Our our quote was miles to go before I sleep. Um, uh, Trent uh, turns to get Beard's input when when Ted says, hey, go either way, huh? And Trent looks over at Beard where 
Beard usually sits at Beard's desk, and um, it is Will sitting there with the taped on Beard beard. Uh, and Trent, <laughs> rather than even address it, Trent just turns and walks out just as Beard walks in and says, what to Will, boss? Get the fuck out of my chair. Yeah, no, of course. Sorry. Oh. Which is, I, 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 I can't say for 100% sure, but that felt like such a Chicago accent delivery of that line. Like there's the I'd very stereotypical uh, Bears super fans, but also there is this sort of clipped little, get the fuck out of my chair. Where it all become the first three words all become one. Get the fuck out of my chair. I, I loved it. I, I laughed so hard. Rewound it. Yes. Every same. time I've watched it, I've laughed harder than the last time. It was spot. On like just yeah. everything you about it was it right. It was the delivery of the line, the 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 reaction to the line. Will scrambling out of the chair, but the scramble isn't like I never think like like he, he's gonna beard's gonna fire Will or beard's gonna like hit Will. Like we just it's just yeah, get the fuck out of his chair. He's beard. Like we don't have to get into like or else. Like there's no or else. It's just getting the fuck out of his chair. I I, I don't know. It, it it just nailed these two characters for me. It was a beautiful button uh, all the way from when we first realized that they were playing each other. Like it's a like a perfect way. Like the whole sequence becomes one joke. Um which I thought was very cool. It is a perfect button and works flawlessly. You can't you just can't I don't care how you do it. You can't do it better. Um, now we get a shot, uh, more shots of the, uh, well, we get shoegaze by Alabama Shakes playing. People are on the street talking. We get more shots of the city opening. There's a lot of like interstitial city opening <laughs> uh, sort of montages here in this episode. Jay walks um, from the hostess station and looks out the window for Nate and even walks to the door and looks around because he said he'd be back, and she's like, when is he going to be back? Uh, I put in the notes, like, Jade is now looking for Nate. Uh, yeah, that was and I'm, I'm still trying to fundamentally understand what was the pivot. Was it the baklava? Was it was it the – was it the – I'm trying to figure out what – what did she – was she – did she like him more when he got stood up by Anastasia? Was it the um, – him saying, uh, my, I start talking like my, my grand when I, you know, it was at the divine comment. Like what, what is, what changed her mind about Jason jelly that I don't, that isn't obvious to me. What, what is it? I have no idea. What I kept thinking about was the episode of Seinfeld where Jerry and Elaine are trying to break up a couple so that they could date each respective member. And that it's, you'll, you're there for them. And then eventually you're just there. And I'm like, oh, well, he has been there a lot, I guess, is enough to date him. It worked for Rupert six weeks at Rebecca's at Rebecca's bar before uh, she, he asked her out again. And she said yes without a without a moment. So I guess it. that's it. Uh, if anyone wants to, to pursue a woman, just stalk them. Just go go to their place. Of, this actually just um, keep showing up yeah. to their place of business where they oh. have to be. Mm-hmm. Wait, coach, before you do the before you, before you really go there, if you are, I want to say I, this is a bit of this is a bit PSA ish, but we have taught like I think we ha- collectively have to take some responsibility for having taught boys who then became men horrible horrible lessons 
about what it is to be romantic, about what it is to pursue a romantic relationship. I, right. for several reasons, I won't get into the details of it, but Revenge of the Nerds was showing somewhere. And I just remember, and I thought about the movie and I thought, there are multiple felonies, not things in bad yeah. taste. Yeah. Not, there are multiple felonies by the good guys. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I'm like, I, I don't remember it enough. You're talking about the original Revenge of the Nerds. Yeah, Revenge like of what? the Nerds. Like what? What? At one point, he's 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 uh he's dressed as uh he being one of the lead nerds is dressed as um Darth Vader for this costume thing, and so was the like head cheerleader's boyfriend, who's the big uh who's the big quarterback. And so when she lead when our cheerleader leads Darth Vader, she thinks she's it's her boyfriend. He proceeds to perform um, what I will technically describe as uh, cunnilingus. Let's, let's, and, and oh God, and, can we not? And and she Coach. and she, but no, it's important because that's a crime. And then she is like, "You're really good at that. Maybe I'll be your girlfriend." And I'm like, "Is that what is the takeaway yes. there? What the fuck are we doing right now?" The takeaway yeah. is that very few men know how to do cunnilingus well, Coach. <laughs> Okay, uh, you're, you're always you're always missing yeah. the point. I'm getting sick of it. Yeah, yeah. But no, um, no and there's more. No. Like that's me choosing one thing. It is a nightmare. Yeah. This feel yeah. good, oh, you know, losers overcoming bad news beers in college. It is a nightmare. Yeah, there's a lot of them. Uh, there's a great episode of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. It's called the the gang hits the slopes, and it's a, a, a satire of that sort of '80s kind of nerd got versus it. we've got to win this ski competition except now all of the people who were the weird guys in the 80s like you know looking through the peepholes at the girls locker room and stuff are just full-on sex criminals like once you get to know anything below the surface you're like oh you didn't collect all those beer cans for recycling you just drank that much okay and your daughter won't speak to that's you right. got it that's right I just want to thank you both um, for keeping this episode super classy. And and uh, between anal, whatever, Pele, and kind of like Pele of anal. Let's get it right. Yeah. Jesus, show some respect. Knuckle dragger. Yeah. I'm the, <laughs> the one. You're right. That's the that's the clear issue so far is my lack of respect <laughs> for for your uh, butt references. Um so what knuckle dragger coach knuckle dragger <laughs> um all right so uh jade is now looking for nate we don't know why but i guess that's a thing uh at kjpr keely walks into the office um i i think i mentioned that we have uh, uh begun to call the two people seated of po- uh, across from dan the spaniards lovingly because we're just guessing they don't speak english they've never said a word um they seem to be what everyone's got their eye on keely you know, she walks in. We really get the shot of her walking to her office. She smiles. She's kind. Um, and then uh, Boss has put a uh, picture of an atomic bomb exploding into the show dock. And and why is that, Boss? Because of the overwhelming number of daisies in her office. She mentioned earlier in the episode that the small bouquet on her table, that daisies are her favorite. So Jack has covered literally almost every surface, which would 
be romantic, maybe in some way, at some point, somehow later in their relationship, if it didn't feel like love bombing. And also, if it weren't her office where she needs to do work on those surfaces, and now you've just required your girlfriend to clean up after your romantic gesture. That is a great point. And I think it it really plays into what I've been pointing at with love. The love, there's something about, and I, there's something about love bombing that is selfishness masquerading as selflessness. Yes. And, and not thinking about you're going to have to clean up that mess. Or that maybe I like the two I had on the table. Like, just because I like water doesn't mean I want you to fling me into the ocean. And so yes, exactly. there's, a, there's a lot just, going on I just on want there. to see one one tuna, a, a whole field of tuna. That would be overwhelming. Right. And here we are <laughs> with exactly that played out, right? And it is. And Daddy's right. I mean, it is like, what the hell is this? I had a question. Why, why daisies? Why daisies, though, by the way? Why daisies? Why do does why? she I love daisies? Why. I don't do know, know why she loves daisies. Should we know? Yeah. Yeah. It's because... Um, this is a this is paralleling the uh, Meg Ryan character in You Got Mail. Kathleen Kelly, her favorite flower was daisies, and she said daisies are the friendliest flower. Oh, so that's the uh, that's the reference here that um, that they're trying to. I, I want to plant a seed. I don't know. If we need to go into it, and I'm not sure it has an answer. But I found myself watching Babs. She's watching as well, but she's not watching with the same, um, I'll just call it flavor, of the other people in the office. And, and for a moment, I wondered, has she seen this movie movie before? I don't know that that's true. And I haven't, she's not said that. And I'm just, but I'm just planting like, she doesn't seem, she's not charmed. She's not charmed by this. No, she's not. Right? Like it's something's she's not liking it. And I'm and I'm kind of with her not liking it. Um this is too much. Well, Ke- yeah, Keely doesn't like it. Like they show a surprised face, but she doesn't then start smiling. Right. Like Keely's overwhelmed and then remains overwhelmed and surprised by the number of flowers throughout the scene. She doesn't smile at all. It feels a little there, bit there are you- I'm sorry. No, 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 I was just gonna say there's even daisies like crammed into Trixie Bell's mouth. The uh the Jaguar there, the And I thought there. as much as I'm sure Jack as a character would think that was cute, I felt like that was a symbol of the violation piece of this. That this was like that's Trixie Bell, man. Like Trixie Bell represents some shit. Like Trixie Bell has been traveled from the last office to this office. Like, and, and here, you know, just shove the daisies in Trixie Bell's mouth. I, and it, it felt as invasive in a s- small way as this all was in a big way. Yeah, no, no. And it, and it really highlights the, um, there's something to be said for abundance. And then there's something to be said for the, there's a gauche overspending quality to this where it's like, what, what was the expected value of this? Like, the resultant emotional thing was not, oh boy, some like it, it, maybe if Jack had had only done this one thing and not everything else, maybe. But like That's in general, it. it's like just just take you're just she's just extra, and just just take a step back, Jack. It's it's too much. Um, I'm glad you guys are catching up to me on Jack. That's wonderful. Never never dug her. Okay, 
So Keeley just stands there, takes it all in, doesn't enter the office, and we have this sort of moment where it's very clear she's not tickled by the by the <laughs> the Daisy bombing. Um, we are going to leave it there today because I want to start next episode with the Red String Diaries. Um, <laughs> yes, uh, there's a lot going on there, and I, I really. There's a lot. There's a lot. This is a this is a heavy episode. Um, I feel like yeah, Ted would have really appreciated Red String Diaries. Like I, I just that was that was quality, Coach. Yeah, thank you, sir. Thank you, Coach. I appreciate that. Um, so, um, yeah, we are going to pick it up uh, from. We'll do part four next time to really dig into this. This is one of my favorite scenes uh, of the whole show uh, coming up. Uh, I think, uh, let's see, we are, yeah, I mean, yeah, we might make it through in one more episode. Um, uh, coach, if people want to find you, where do they find you? Uh, we align is our online community. So that's we align one word dot align P dot com. And you'll find all, uh, my social media handles and other places to catch up with me in the show notes. And boss, where do people I can't imagine someone would want to find you, but if they were so <laughs> not. That, where would they look? Yeah, they could try well, if they felt like it. Number one, seek psychiatric help first, maybe consider that. And if not, you can find me on Twitter at uh dumbly underscore chambers. Also writing at the antagonist blog, which is antagonistblog.com. Um promise I'm gonna start writing soon. Any day now. I'm going to get it together. Okay. That's wonderful. Thank you, boss. Um, we want to thank everybody who's been on this journey with us. We, uh, if I, I wish we had the time for me to read the list of countries where we have listeners from. Uh, and there's these, there's these stats. I, we're, we're learning this as we go along, but we never thought uh, this would work in any real sense. Um, and thanks to you, the listening community, uh, we have blown past all of our uh, goals and we're just stunned and, and thrilled to have everyone. But some of the the countries that people are listening from is so exciting because I have only a tangential, I, I take a lot of pride in traveling around the world and meeting everybody. And I'm like, oh my God, I have a friend in, in this country, in that country. And it just feels like uh, we're really connecting with like-minded people all across the globe. And that really is what it all is about. One love, right, coach? Absolutely. So um, we will pick it up next time. We thank you for joining us for this episode of the uh, Deep Dive uh, TEDcast. Um, we urge you to protect your local libraries, support your local libraries, go to the library, take out books from the library, and um, and in general, uh, protect the written word. Um, visit your independent blogs, pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com. And, um, you know, we, we end in support of um, the writers who are on strike uh, in the WGA, which is it's going to be. We're still in the honeymoon period, but it's going to get, it's going to get, you know, listen, someone might listen to this four years from now and they'll know how it turned out. But um, yeah, it's, we're in it right now. And uh, it's a thing. Um, 
I, I'm going to toss something in, which is that uh, Coach has been uh, sharing uh, communications from folks who have decided to be uh, supporters of the show. And that is just uh, amazing. And I know I thank those of you who are out there. I thank those of you who like me, uh, maybe because of a little uh, neurodivergence, go, I'm going to do that. Oh, yeah, I forgot I'd do it. Uh, so if you, if I had just gave you the reminder uh, and you love the show and you want to support, you know, uh, it, it's watching that list grow has only added to my feeling that the whole thing's about love. So I appreciate y'all. Yes. And just to be extreme, as the accountant on the podcast, in the most blanket terms possible, we would like you to give us money if you can. If you can't, we totally understand. Like, we love the support. And if you want to tweet and rate and do anything else, we will always, always love that. But if you can, give us some money, please. It's called... Please give us money. Growth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But we're just... And we're, we're just thrilled to have everybody with us on this journey. Um, we'll be back next time with part four. And thank you, everyone. Thanks for being part of this. Um, until next time, we are... Richmond, Richmond till we, til we die. die. Come on, man. <laughs> now I'm getting upset. I'm gonna start singing. I'm gonna start singing shit again. Oh, that'd be good. You should do that. <laughs> All right. Thanks for listening. The TedCast is a joint venture between Pajiba and the Antagonist. Visit us at pajiba.com and antagonistblog.com.